Hi, this is David Mason, and you're listening to Australian Survivor Archive. Australian Survivor Archives, the only podcast daring to go over the complete history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way to the current day. And we are in for a a big episode today. I'm so excited to get into our second episode of Season 2 Celebrity Survivor and chat to a person that I think this could be the the best interview all season. It's only Episode 2 of Season 2, but I'm calling it right now because... Our guest today is really going to fill in a lot of blanks. We talked a lot last week about how we didn't know a lot about this season and how our next guest will help us fill in a lot that we don't know. And I'm putting all the pressure on him right now before we even get started. But I'm not going to introduce him. I'm going to say that my name is Ben Waterworth and I'm excited for my beautifully bald, shiny-headed co-host that I'm staring at right now to continue on with this great little introduction that I'm trying to get to. Hi, Ben. Hi, listeners. It's fantastic to be here. As you know, my name's Matt Dyson. And Ben, this is a massive episode. And and look, I think you're spot on. This could be one of the biggest of the seasons. We're doing things a little different. As you know, last year uh, in season one, we had a great interview with the uh, season one executive producer, Stephen Peters. And today we bring you the executive producer from season two, the celebrity version of Australian Survivor. This man has been involved in plenty of reality TV from shows like The Mole, Who Dares Wins, that's just to name a few. But today we're here strictly to talk to him about his involvement in Celebrity Survivor Season 2. I talk of none other than Mr. David Mason. David, welcome to the show. Thank you very much indeed. And, oh, a little bit intimidating intro. I hope I can deliver. Well, we're gonna we're gonna hold you to see how much you can deliver because I I feel Stephen Peters last season was a little bit like oh I don't know what I'm gonna remember and he he got the the memories out of the brain so I, I we're really gonna dig here David we're really gonna get inside <laughs> that brain and really try and get all the the goss and the information out of you here today. I'll I'll see I'll see what I can unearth. It's 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 interesting because Matt obviously mentioned in the his introduction there about how you know you've got a, a steam background with so many different shows you know the mole who dares wins uh pop stars you know some real staples of australian reality television that really kind of set the industry uh on its path that it is today but how did you even get involved in in producing itself david was this something that had always interested you kind of what led you down the the garden path to producing um yeah (laughs) okay this goes back when i was aged eight Lived in New York, wow. saw different type of TV, anything I'd ever seen before. And I thought, I want to make TV like that. I didn't want to be on it. I wanted to make it. And it just kicked off from there. And I did lots of theater and all that sort of stuff. But t- making TV was what I wanted to do. And more than that, having my own production company, 
that I wanted, you know, from the age of when I was when I realized what a production company was. And the type of show I wanted to make was really Who Dares Win. That was it. That's that was my that's the kind of show as a kid I wanted to make. Crazy stuff, having an opportunity to do fun stuff. Um for that, then the and the mole and survivor, you just and beyond two thousand before that, just just traveling and making fun stuff with fun people. It's, it's, it's just been a massive ride. And we always said, if you're not having fun on set, how the hell is the audience going to have fun? <laughs> and that's been a mantra all the way through. Well, it's amazing, David, because all those shows you just mentioned were all shows that I watched growing up. So you were clearly in the thick of things, uh, you know, with your production company and all that and, and doing TV. So you, you know, it's 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 amazing. Like just here, even beyond two thousand, that was a show mm. that I grew up watching. It, it was it was an absolute heyday of TV in a way that almost can't exist now. TV then was was on a pedestal. It's what families came together to watch. You sat down, you watched at a specific time, and once the show was over, and you go to work or school or whatever the following day, you all talk about it. Now, of course, with streaming, with social media, you're either talking about it while you're watching or you're, you're binge watching. You go to work, no one else has watched it or they haven't watched it yet or you can't talk about it anymore. So that heyday in the 80s, the 90s, early 2000s was, was just spectacular. And, uh, and you know, because TV was on a ped- that sort of pedestal, there was, it had no competition. Um, we had the money to make good shows like that. Um, TV was also courageous. There were some really courageous decisions being made about programming, about commissioning shows. In a way now, networks can't be as courageous. Um, and that's, it's disappointing, it's a fact of life, it's just the nature of the business, the way it ebbs and flows. But back then, you know, 20 plus years ago, ah, the world was our oyster. Which, it makes it so fascinating to be involved in shows i can imagine like who dares wins uh the mole these sort of shows before even the terminology reality tv was a thing you you mentioned to us off air like you didn't call who dares wins reality television and yeah i'm with matt i i remember watching them as a kid they they were event you know you'd sit around with the whole family you, you would get hooked on it and I was talking to you off air about how the mole, mole, mm. the mole is the reason why we're even here today talking about Survivor. I wouldn't watch Survivor if it hadn't have been for me watching the, the mole. The mole was... predates Survivor by about three years. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it aired the first season aired in Australia the same year, of course, as as the US season one in Borneo because it was they were mm. very they maybe even intersected. I, I can't remember mm. quite the air dates, but it's and it was just it was so I, I, fresh. And I, and I can and I I can absolutely tell you because when I was filming the first series of the mole in Tasmania, I heard about this, this show, this British show called um, uh, Expedition Robinson, I think it was called. Yep. And I thought, yep. wow, that sounds amazing. And I got on the phone to, um, um, to Charlie Parsons. So he had a company then, Planet 24, with uh, Bob Geldof. I got on the phone to him. I'm, I'm in Tasmania. It's late at night, and I'm on the phone to them saying, hey, you know, can we get the rights? Um, and they were said, actually, we've just started talking to CBS and this guy, Mark Burnett, and until all that's tied up, we're not going to be talking about any other rights. Wow. And I said, oh, well, just keep us, keep us posted. I want this show. I want this show. Um, and of course, by the time CBS got it, they, in effect, controlled world rights 
on, the, on the brand. That, that's amazing. So even from that early stage, obviously with, with your background in this, you knew that Survivor was going to be, or, 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 like you said, it wasn't known as Survivor back then, but you knew that this concept for a show was going to be a massive hit. I think it was because we just started filming The Mole and um, we had no idea how it was going to work out. We didn't, we had no idea really how these shows were meant to be made. Um, so we were just winging it. Um, and there could be a whole series, frankly, on how we got away with it. But um, we were winging it. But I thought this is, this is what, there's something exciting here about not having complete control of a TV show. Normally, we have complete control. In a show like this or The Survivor, you don't have control, and that makes exciting TV. So when I heard about Expedition Robinson as it was, I thought that's got the same degree of lack of producer control. Having said that, the producer always has control with God. You know, we manipulate, <laughs> we, we pull the strings. But meanwhile, you pull the strings in such a way that you have to allow unpredictability to make the gold. Yeah. Um, so you create unpredictability, if you can put it like that. And so when I, uh, clearly Survivor has that ability to create unpredictability. Um, and I, I just, I fell in love with it from the get-go. What what I love hearing that you rang Charlie Parsons up on the first season of The Mole is that you were this close maybe to getting the rights, maybe Survivor, the, the phenomenon it is today, could have been an Australian-branded product, and this could have all happened from Tasmania, that you would have basically it, been it in Tasmania. Done, <laughs> um, look, I'm flattered you say that, but it would have been dreadful. Frankly, the money CBS put into it made it a phenomenon. I mean, completely. The, the difference in budgets, I mean, Stephen alluded to um, the, the Channel 9 budget. I'm happy to talk further about how much. Oh, it's on we the question spending. list. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, oh, <okay. laughs> the, 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 the difference in budgets um, really transforms shows in a way that um, is really it's quite hard to comprehend about how money can make a show. <clears throat> you know, and we're talking facts of 10. Um, Australia would never have been able to, or never wanted to put that kind of money in, never could put that kind of money in, and so we'd have ended up with an okay show, not a phenomenon. Um, what the US did, what Burnett and CBS did to Expedition Robinson was to turn it into a phenomenon. So with season one, obviously that was on Channel 9, we now know that it didn't have a big budget, and and what you're saying is, is right, that they couldn't match what the Americans were doing because they had a budget basically 10 times that. But did, did you actually watch season one and considering the budget they had, I mean, you're probably one of the best people to talk about this. Like we think that they, considering it was such a small budget, they did a damn good, pretty, a pretty mm. good job mm. considering we now know that the small budget to run and, and operate one of these reality shows. Like, What's your thoughts on, on season one? Um, when Stephen was doing series one, I'd already produced two series of Treasure Island, which is a, a yeah. sort of lame version of Survivor without the voting. <laughs> um, you know, Survivor without the good bits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we'd done a couple of series, one for New Zealand, one for Australia. And so I was pretty used to filming on an island with a bunch of contestants trying to make them make interesting TV. Um, and so I knew how to, a lot of the, the pitfalls um, and a lot of the little techniques. So combining a bit of Treasure Island with the mole, so you've got the games, you've got the gameplay, you've got the surviving 
frankly, with limited resources and what that does to people, well, I knew the elements of then how to make Survivor. Um, one, of the, one of the things a producer is juggling with a show like Survivor is being true to the concept of you're on your own while still knowing that actually you're on your own, but also we're making TV and we need you to be good talent. People cannot be good talent if they're starving, if they are absolutely um, subsisting, frankly, with food and other resources or whatever, they're not going to be good TV. They're exhausted and they just cannot give. So you have to create an environment which is illusory, illusory, where um, they are surviving, but still they have enough energy and enough to give. And we learned that several times in Treasure Island. So when we were doing Survivor several years later, we obviously had to bring that to play. You're creating an illusion, but you're, but you're never conning the audience. Mm. That's, the other, that's the other contract, if you like. And when you then are watching either the Australian one or the US one, and with all that in mind, what you were saying, are you kind of watching that from an EP's perspective, thinking, mm-hmm. oh, I would do it this way, I would do it this way, or maybe if you tweaked a few things, you could do it differently? Or what are you there's, thinking when you're watching frankly, it? Frankly, there's very little. Of the US show, there's very little you do different. I mean, look, who would we be to say, you know, do things different or better? They've done however, 18 seasons or something of it. 30 They're up to 40, so, season 40 now. Yeah. I mean, you know, what they don't know about how to make this show um, and, you know, how on earth they can keep on repeating it and keep on getting good material most of the time um, is is extraordinary. I mean, the, you know, the skill that goes into it. And it's not just the skill in producing and storytelling. It's in the cinematography, in the games, in the art direction, in the casting they still get it right, nine times out of ten. Were you ever approached to do the season one um, se- season? No, like- no. no. Um, I had my own production company then. Nine uh, was going to do that in-house. Um, that was a time when just about everything was in-house. Um, so, no, they wouldn't, have, they, wouldn't have, they wouldn't have commissioned anyone to do it. Um, seven commissioned my company to make the mole. Um, for them as an outside production, or well, the first few series, um, the le- the last series was an in-house. I, I was still EP working at seven, um, but the last series of the mall was in-house. Um, but and no, I, I, was, I had my own company before that. With that, um, I mean, we obviously know that Channel Ten has Endemol Shine doing Survivor presently. Mm-hmm. Besides the obvious of if a network has its in-house production, they obviously, I guess, have complete control over how a season works. And if they've got a, a third-party company producing a season, it's a little bit different. I mean, does that, from your perspective of your company producing a show like this, is it? does that make the process easier? Like you've got kind of free range? I mean, how much liaison do you have with Seven in the creative process before this even gets started when you, they come to you and say, hey, would you like to produce this show? Constant. They're your client. You're making a show for them. It's not, you know, some sort of indulgent thing. Um, you want to make the best show for them to their expectations. You want to exceed their expectations. So you've got to know what their expectations are so you know how to exceed it. Um, you don't want to give them any surprises, unless they're good surprises. Um, you're going to constantly come up with difficulties, things that you're going to have to overcome when you're making it. You need to, be the net- you need to have the network on your side. 
um, when you come across these difficulties. They're not necessarily budgetary, but they're creative, say. Um, so the, the rapport that the production company has with a network executive, and I assume, I don't know, I imagine that Penn is still Stephen Tate, who's the network EP. Stephen used to be my series, one of my series producers on Who Dead oh, many, wow. many years ago. So everyone goes round and round and round yeah. these circles. <laughs> um, but that rapport is so absolute, that connection. If you don't have that, then you're never going to make good TV. You're going to be at loggerheads. And you've got to listen to the network. They know what they're doing. And I've been obviously a, a network EP, so I've been on that side as well as a, as a production company. side. You've got to listen to each other. Um, and the network EP has got to listen to a production company as well, saying, actually, we think this is the best way to go, or we think we'll get this out of such and such. And it, it's all a dialogue. Before I get into a little bit more about the, the process and how Celebrity Survivor came about, with your production company, I mean, you obviously have done a lot of Channel 7 shows. Do you have a contract with the network, or do you no. kind of, it just it just happens that Channel 7 liked what you did, so um, they came to I, you? I used to work at Channel 7 as, right. as an EP. And um, this goes back to the early 90s. Um, and I was you know, having a drink with a friend, a chap called Adrian Brandt. We were tossing around different shows. And we thought, ah, oh, he, he said, you know, we thought, let's, um, let's think of a show where, you know, we um, challenge people to do things. We talked about that for a lot. And then I uh, thought, you know what, challenge is a bit of a weak word. <sighs> I like the word daring. daring. You've got a bit of edge with the word dare. <laughs> so, okay. We're only playing golf. We hit a few more, you know, I call golf whack fuck. Whack fuck. <laughs> um, went, went, through, went through a few more holes and um, tossing around and said, you know what, this dare thing, you know, um, you know, what, what, what would you call it? I don't know, a few more holes. And suddenly I said, you know, who dares win? Oh, yeah. Um, by the time we'd finished that round of golf, we pretty much had the format in wow. our heads about how this thing would work. I then pitched it to the network. I'm in, I'm in, you know, I'm an inside EP, but my contract allowed me to pitch things from outside, as it were. The network wouldn't own anything I pitched. So I pitched it. Um, within two weeks, they said, yep, we're going to commission a pilot. So I resigned, <laughs> set up set up our own production company. The pilot got through. Then the first series, we thought, first series, we got it made. We did 13 series for the thing. Jeez, wow. the anyway, so that's so my relationship with Seven started from that. Um, and um, in fact, it was Seven that brought the mole to me, um, Tim Warner at the time. Um, and he... He said, yeah, we love this show. David, do a proposal, you know, do a proposal study for it. So I did that, wrote it all up, sent it off um, about a month later, and they commissioned it. Um, and that was, um, I, I said off a, a, a bit earlier, being the executive producer of The Mole is one of the best jobs on TV because you are God. No one else, only you and The Mole know who The Mole is. Mm. No one else. No not, one even, the not even the other producers, so just the EP in nope. the... Wow. No, nope. nope. so no producers, no crew. Grant didn't know. Um, no one at the network. Wow. Just me and the mole. That must be and you fun. you feel like God. 
You feel yeah. like God. Do you do you just have like constant little? I mean, I guess you couldn't have conversations with them all because yeah. all of a sudden I see one of the contestants always with the EP. It's a bit obvious, then, isn't it? Yeah. The the only way I could communicate, I would do the interviews every evening alone, no crew. Right. So I'd I'd do the interviews with all the contestants, but with the mole, I'd say, okay, <laughs> download, download, download. <laughs> this is what I'm da 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 da. Um, get back and then do the interview. Now, <laughs> interestingly. By about series five or four, whatever it was, the crew who were in another room would come back and change over tapes. And they realized that although we'd been in the room for 40 minutes, only 20 minutes of tape had been used. <laughs> so they realized, yep, okay, well, we know who the mole is. <laughs> they, they, so they discovered like that. <laughs> I know we're not here to talk about the mole, but now no. I'm, fas- I'm I'm absolutely fascinated. So how did you go about then, like, because obviously you were the one that picked who was going to be the mole. Was it on the, just on their personality, or how did you go about actually picking who the mole was going to so, be? Okay, here's the thing. I have never talked about this because, frankly, there might be another series. No, there won't be another series. Um, so now I can actually tell you. I can talk yeah. about it for the first time. Um, I would actively seek people they're outside of the outside of the audition oh wow actively seek people who had amazing integrity wow so in order to be deceitful you have to have integrity mm-hmm. because frankly i need you to be, have integrity with me yeah. because i've got to trust you absolutely so i needed someone i could absolutely trust um and then we insert them into the audition process and um, the audition process, um, part of it was I had absolute veto. Wow. So the network as well, but I had absolute veto. If for any reason I wanted someone on the cast, my word went, no matter what the network said, just so that I could plant the mole. Wow. Anyway, that never happens any, in any other show. So I would find people through different processes who had that kind of integrity that had displayed it or had, um, you know, through, through different acts or different organizations, um, were, you know, had those values. Then I put them through the process and psych test them along with everyone else and hope to hell they don't flunk it because then I'm stuck. (laughs) Um, and then insert them in like that but they had to go through the full audition process because frankly um, everyone else did yeah that's 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 crazy and like you're really making me david want to do a spin-off here of like you know uh australian mole archives or something like that because it i was mentioning off air it it has honestly been Mm. years since i've seen it it's it's not a show i've ever rewatched, and i Mm. believe i mean at one point i know it was on youtube because i did see it pop up once but um yeah, I mean, that, that led me down a, a fandom of reality TV. It led me on a very unsettling amount of fandom for Grant Bowler. Um, mm, just yeah. that man is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Uh, I, I, he was I, a genius casting. Oh. Not, not by me, by the note. By, I think it was probably Brad Lyons and, um, and Tim Warner who cast him. Um, and it was genius casting. Well, I, I was going to actually ask you that. I was going to say, what was your involvement um, with not only Grant's casting, but then with Celebrity Survivor, with, with Dicko being casted. We're interested to know about right. that as well. Okay. So um, Stephen and I talked about, you know, the, they had a sort of nine-month run-up to, to making, yeah. We had six weeks. Wow. 
Six weeks from the decision to make it to rolling cameras. Six weeks. Six weeks. It's crazy. I mean, it's just, it's just insane. They play Survivor um, longer you... than that now, David, on Channel 10. They, they literally play yeah. the game longer than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and we shot in 15 days. Yeah. Um, but but that, 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 we'll, we'll talk about all that later. But, so six weeks um, as, a, as a rush decision. There's a programming hole in three months' time. We're going with Celebrity Survivor. Um, I didn't cast Dicko. Um, I don't think he was right for the show. I don't think anyone thought he was right for the show, but um, he'd just come off Idol. Seven had nabbed him, didn't want him on on 10 on Idol, so nabbed him and didn't have a show for him. So, right, we'll chuck him on this. So he was available. He was signed for the network. Let's get him doing this show. He was a fish out of water. But, you know, uh, the show still, it worked in its own way with him there, but, yeah, he was a fish out of water. I, I would be intrigued. I, I, I want to get to the point about that six-week period and sort of how it came about in a sec, but do you, you say you don't have an input into, into Dicko as a host, but as someone who, I guess, is involved in these shows, uh, you've worked with a variety of hosts, You know, would you have had a, an ideal candidate on Seven's, uh, I guess, payroll at that point if you had have had a chance to put a few names in the hat? Well, rewind 15 years. Um to be honest, I don't remember even thinking about an alternative because Dicko was just handed to us saying this is this is what he's going to be doing. You know, mm-hmm. we we need to keep him on the network, um, highlight him, promote him. He's going to be the host. Go with it. You know, it would actually be quite interesting in hindsight, Grant Bowler. I mean, he was a great host of The Amazing Race. Kind of, it was a bit more lighthearted than yeah. uh, he was yeah. on The Mole. But, I mean, kind of that balance, Grant Bowler would have been a great Survivor host. I think at the time Grant was in L.A. Right. Um, doing, um, pursuing his, um, his more of his acting. He was probably um, lost about that time. He was uh, getting killed as a ship yeah. captain on the, the boat on the way to the island. <laughs> yeah. And also, also, we'd just done the... Um, um, yeah, the final ep- final series that seven that we did for seven on um, at the mole with Tom Williams, mm. which was again rubbish. A casting, a casting <laughs> mistake. Um, he took his shirt off and so Dancing Rick- with the Stars, and all of a sudden everybody loved him, right? So it was kind of a come on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, not the world's best for the cast. Again, fish out of water, um, and the audience thought so as well. The one thing we we spoke about Ben and I in our first episode for this season was a lot around Dicko, and you, you can compare him to the other two hosts of Australian Survivor. So we had Lincoln House in in, this, in the first season. He was sort of a muscly, well, you know, not overly muscly, but he was that sort of rugged sort of bloke. Mm. You, you then look at Jonathan Lampalia now. You know, great shape. He, he looks like he hits a gym every day. Where Dicko, he he doesn't have that physique. He doesn't. He's a man of the people. Yeah, and look, I have to admit though, after watching it, like you think to yourself, well, it is a celebrity version, and you know what? Like it's something a bit different. Um, I actually, in the end, I didn't mind Dicko as a host. I think you know what? Not, I wouldn't have liked to see him on a normal season, but on a celebrity <clears> season, <throat> you're like fair enough. The problem I think Ben and I have discussed is. He was almost the biggest celebrity on the season. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Good, good, good call. Absolutely, he was. Yeah, which um, yeah, he he outshone the contestants. Yeah, yeah. Look, which... he um, 
yeah. We'll talk about the casting, of course. But, um, yeah, it's funny, like, as, as Matt's alluding to, D- Dico's really grown on me over the years, kind of, in the season. It's it's fascinating. We talked a lot during season one about how, you know, obviously the season has grown on us. We, we obviously very much appreciate it. We'll talk about that with your season here, of course, today. But, um, the season's yeah, grown on you. <laughs> yeah, oh, trust, we'll get to it. But, like, Dico, yeah, oh, it's kind of the rapport Dico has and kind of just his... Um, mannerisms his sayings you know he's not afraid to kind of you know give shit to david oldfield or you know even some of the little digs he has at some of the female contestants sometimes mm. i mean that wouldn't hold up mm. today but i mean was dicko given kind of like free reign to kind of just be dicko um yeah absolutely i mean you you have um someone who has appeal so you're not going to knock the appeal and try and squeeze him into into <laughs> can say round peg into a square hole but that's a bit too <laughs> um <laughs> So you're going to use everything that he has that gives him that appeal. Um, and we'd, we'd often do two takes of everything. It's pretty standard. You do one which is loose and one which is tight. One, you know, let rip, say what you like, put in your own words. Another, okay, let's just tighten it more into this. And you might intercut between the two or you might use one. But you've, you've always got a fallback of a, a safe zone if you need it. And I think if I look back, the casting of Dicko um, as being the most well-known of all those celebrities was was actually deliberate as well. In that, unlike normal survival, you know, when we're when you're dealing with celebrities, um, they have bigger egos than most, and you've got a lot to deal with. So having someone who on camera who can deal with those egos, I mean, I had to deal with them off camera, but someone on camera dealing with those egos was useful. Otherwise, they'd just walk all over him or her. Was it his idea or your idea or somebody's idea to do the whole play hard, play safe, play to win in the challenges? The original saying, and I, I couldn't actually remember what it was, you know, play hard, play to win. Whatever. We wanted to use that outwit, outlast that play. We weren't allowed to. Right. Because um, um, that CBS owns that. We weren't allowed to use that. We had to think of something else. I mean, you know, having a, Having a phrase or something is always going to be used for a catchphrase. He came up with that, I think. I can't remember. Probably. I thought, yeah, let's just run with that. That'll work. A lot of what has come out on why this even was a thing, um, you know, was that Channel 7 exploited a loophole, essentially, with the contract that, you know, Channel 9 had the contract to the US version. I believe they still held the rights to any local versions. But Castaway had a loophole that essentially was, you can produce a celebrity one without a contract. Now, and that's a different I, format. A different format. So, so were you privy to kind of that contract and kind of how Channel Seven basically, at what they had essentially at a, a a gap in the thing, they went through yeah, it and uh, hey, I'd, let's exploit this. I, I came into it once the deal had been done, right? Um, but I understood and I had conversations with Julia Dick at Castaway um, about so what is celebrity Survivor? How is it different? And ultimately, she said, look, it's no different. Um, it just uses celebrities, so therefore, it is going to be different. Um, but frankly, same rules apply. And by the way, you can't use the logo. You can't use the slogans. Or you can't use the music. Um, but everything else, yeah, try to keep it like the, like the show. You know, that's pretty, pretty much as simple as that. So what is their definition of celebrity then? Well, clearly, I think what we thought is someone who the public might have heard of. <laughs> <laughs> The bar was pretty low. <laughs> well, again, we'll talk about the casting because it's, it is fascinating. Matt and I talked a little bit last week about how 
and again, this is a topic for later on, mm. but how a lot of people, Australian Survivor fans, disregard your season completely because, like, oh, celebrities, it doesn't mm. count. But yeah. Yeah. obviously Channel 10 now have twice had a Champions vs. Contender season. Matt was mm. on a mm. Champions vs. Contender mm. season, mm. which is essentially a half-celebrity, half-normal-person mm. season. So it, it's fascinating that that was a loophole to allow another network to do it yet Channel 10 will kind of do it but slightly differently and yet mm. people consider it a normal season. It's kind of I mean, different periods of yeah, time, but, but it's strange. Cast Away was playing it both ways. So they were getting their um, fees from two different networks in one country, in one territory at the same time. Thank you very much. Um, and they, they, I think they felt that the celebrity version, which... Um, is not the real version is um yeah wouldn't wouldn't destroy the original format in any given territory and i think to some extent they're right but if um seven had renewed it and renewed it and had it ongoing it would have probably damaged it would have tainted the brand no question because it's not the same it's not played in the same way um and you know a lot of that and a lot of those stories are happily you about about how it's different um but it would have tainted the brand it really would by the time you came on board had it already been decided that it was going to be 12 contestants and 25 days or so was that how did that come about that it was only going to be a 25 day survivor uh budget (laughs) um a couple of things one budget two you're dealing with we're going to call them celebrities, um, people who have managers, people who have, frankly, commitments um, above and beyond what, frankly, people with day-to-day jobs have. Um, so getting people, getting those kind of people for even 24, 25 days is a stretch. So we knew we've got to cap it. 25 days, two days per show, plus another day at the head you know, while we all get started. Uh, 12 eps. Okay, how many people do you need for 12? I think it's 12 eps, 12 or 13. Um, how many people do you need for 12 eps? Work backwards, 15. Shit. How are we going to get 15 people? So I then said, okay, how many can we get? And by the way, the cast was finalized uh, 36 hours before cameras roll. <laughs> We're going to take up a lot of your time talking about the cast because I've got... There's one thing in particular that I, I, I really hope that you're going to finally help us get to the bottom of it, and that's the inclusion of the 12th contestant, mm. non-celebrity mm. on the show, but that, that's going to, we'll get to that. But um, we've heard some fascinating stories already about people who were going to be on the show, a possible te- female tennis player who didn't get on the plane and didn't turn up and then had to go back to another. So, yeah, you're right. You just said it. it went to the last 36 hours. So what was that whole process like? It must have been a nightmare. Here you are trying to get this reality TV show started and you already don't even know who's actually, you know, is set in stone about who's going to be in the show. A, a difference between Celebrity Survivor and Survivor is that the, the absolute dynamics of the cast are less important. In True Survivor, the dynamics are all important. They are going to create everything on the show. Celebrity Survivor, there's a bit of per value of it's it's um, <clears throat> um, um, it's the um, 
the jungle show of what's it called um i'm a celebrity i'm a celebrity is that that kind of concept of um fish out of water celebs out of water um you know looking at them frankly either in deep shit or looking glam in bikinis and and buff um so you've got that appeal which you don't normally have on a normal survive because you don't know these people but these people are celebs you're supposed to know um there's that secondly um as celebrities being media savvy they're kind of inevitably going to hold back a bit mm. from what they do and what they say and how they react because their ongoing careers are absolutely affected so you know the dynamics getting the right group together isn't as important isn't as vital as with conventional survivor so the actual cast didn't matter to me you know up until that point i needed the bums on seats i needed the the numbers and i hate that they're they're really camera fodder that's that's what they are you're going to get up there we're going to do stuff we're going to get you to do stuff you're going to do stuff you're going to say stuff and we're going to shoot it hmm. so i know you know the thing about survivors the show's going to work um unless you have a complete disastrous cast but in with celebs you never know you're going to have a you know you're not going to have a disastrous cast you just want a few highlights a few people really to stay in there because they are going to be gold everyone else they'll just get eliminated we'll get rid of them quickly or whatever <laughs> so i wasn't I, I wasn't worried i knew that we'd be able to get around it and if i can just talk to you about ben the sas guy why is he there bums on seats <laughs> okay just, so, just to get another person in there that we didn't have to pay as much okay so, so so david this is one thing that like and this is what i want to get to the bottom of so i've always said and this is pure speculation that you had 12 people 12 celebrities set someone at the last second has pulled out and there's been a scramble to get someone and they're like hey here's ben win he's a former sis guy just get him in there and, and, and put him in and we'll get him out straight away. What? Cause it, it just, it never made sense. He was never playing for a charity. There was he never, so much of that show that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but he, he never started the game. He never, he was never playing for a charity. What was Ben Wynn doing on Celebrity Survivor? Okay. Um, and this is, this is from my memory from all that time ago. Two things. One, he was a lot cheaper than a celeb. So we I, we had a budget that uh, you know we could we could we could buy twelve celebs and that's it. We needed more bums, which is why we had people coming back into the show, obviously. Um, but I needed someone else. Or just uh, the numbers just weren't going to work. So we thought, okay, in a bit mole-esque, we'll chuck a spanner in, 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 in a couple of eps in, um, and ideally um, this buff-looking, um, supremely able bloke will go into the girls' team and just you know, kick up a bit of... That was all the idea, that's all thinking, just check in something unexpected. And the, the thing about Celebrity Survivor, because there were no real rules, we were able to be looser with the format, such that it was, we could play around like that. And I know it's... I'm an absolute Survivor fan and absolutely beholden to the integrity of Survivor and really didn't want to fuck around with the format. Don't fuck the format. On the other hand, 
we kind of had to a little bit. Um, and it, it pains me that we introduced things like that, which were, and bringing contestants back, which we'll talk about later. Fucking the format like that was not good for the show. It was not good for Survivor as a whole. So where, just getting back with Ben, where did he actually come from? Because I'm assuming, like, I've tried to track Ben down and it's almost, uh, it's almost like he doesn't exist. I started to think maybe it was a false name they use. And this is a, true. I've, I've, they call me the bloodhound, David, on this show. Like, mm. I'm, I can track down everyone and anyone. Ben Wynn is like a ghost. It's like he doesn't exist. There's no footprint of him ever existing on this planet. So we started to get me to think, well, there must be more to it. Um, is that even his real name? Is he a former SIS guy? And how did he even come to get on a show? Like, I'm assuming he didn't have an agent where someone's like, oh, here's this bloke, because he, he wasn't a celebrity. So did someone know him or was, I even started to think maybe he was the, the guy that was going to be giving the survival tips to the celebrities. And then the in, next second he's getting a Guernsey and saying, mate, you're on the show. Um, mm. I, I just, yeah, I, it just I, doesn't uh... make sense. I cannot, I mean, I hate to say, I cannot remember. Where the hell did he come from? Um, I might, I think I might have come across him from the mole. He might have been a, um, a contestant, a, a sort of, um, possible contestant on the mole. So he might have been in my books. Um, but to be honest, I can't remember. Um, he, for us, he was no big deal. It was no big deal. Um, it was just another person to make up the numbers so we could get to the 13 apps. <laughs> well, well, David, I think I'm going to need you to go back through those books because I need a contact number or email <laughs> or something. Because I tell you, what, it is my life mission to talk to Ben Wynn because I, I need to talk to him. So just to find out what the hell, like what his experience was even being on this celebrity show when he's not a celebrity. So if you have any details for him, um, definitely would, would love to hear that. I've, I've just gone into my address book because, you know, address book's lost. He's not there. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> well, it's been a great time having you on the show today, Dave. We're only using him for yeah. one thing. So <laughs> thanks for your time on Australian Survivor Archives. Um, <laughs> fat lot of good you are. Um, it's, yeah. I, again, I want to talk about the casting process, but like just one thing you alluded to there and I'd just like to touch on. Um, you mentioned, of course, Castaway say you can't use this phrase, you can't use your music, all that kind of stuff. We know a lot of similar problems happened with Channel 9 version. When it comes to the rules, though, one, one thing that Stephen Peters, of course, alluded to was that they, they weren't given a rule book. They weren't given a handbook at all. They were basically no. like, here are the keys, no. go for a drive. Mm. Was Had yep. that changed by 2006? Were you given no. any sort of no. groundwork no. at all? No, no. Wow. Um, and I was desperate. I was desperate to get it because I wanted to know, to, to, to be in keeping with Survivor, I wanted to know the basics of, okay, what do we do about water, about toilets? about sunscreen, about mosquito repellent. Are those things forbidden? No rules, nothing. So I thought, I went back to, I thought, okay, we're making TV. A bit of safety and a bit of pranking TV. Water, got to have fresh water, okay? We're not going to have water in plastic bottles. We'll cover them all up, but fresh water, given. Um, uh, sunscreen, safety, that's a given off camera, but you're going to be creaming up. Um, mosquito repellent. I thought the last thing we want is anyone on camera with bumps all over themselves, scratching themselves. It's ugly television. So you know what? Mosquito repellent, all yours. 
Um, so things like that. Um, there was no rules, but we thought just common sense. We want people to be um, thinking of other things other than their basics. Toilets, you know what? There's going to be a dunny, you know, it's a, a long drop. Okay, we don't need to know about it, but it's there. Um, sanitary products, yeah, you know what? Health, they're available for you. So stuff like that, all the off-camera stuff is available. Um, but <clears throat> the actual living conditions, the living on the beach or in the bush, and making your own tents and stuff, all that's legit, all that's genuine. Wow, wow. It's, yeah, I mean, there's... there's ins and outs about it because one thing that we did learn a little bit more about recently mm. uh guy leach did an interview with uh david Jeanette on uh his podcast recently and, and talked a lot about kind of some things like you mentioned the the long drop that was something i was i was unfamiliar mm. with amber talked a little bit about us over on the oz network about sort of ins and outs and that because i think a lot of people and i'm sure you got it at the time the celebrities got it all the time were probably thinking mm. well behind the camera because this is a celebrity version they're probably sleeping mm. in a bed and it's all for show mm. so it's mm. it's unique and and i guess that kind of leads me to the casting process because I, I would be intrigued to know with that um i mean were there people that maybe you sat down and wanted and you told them this and like, no fuck off i'm not doing that then i mean how again you might not have been involved so please stop me here if you weren't but like do, do you have a wish list do you kind of get given a list of 50 people here are the potentials like how does that all work to get to those 12 so you, a couple of things i mean it's a chicken and egg thing you 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 have a dream cast um and then you have a, a cast that you think you can afford because right. obviously they're paid they're paid um <clears throat> so you, you you basically knock off the top of of what of who you'd like and mostly the people you'd like the a-listers frankly a you can't afford them and b they're so busy you're never going to get them for 25 days um and c frankly their managers wouldn't let them go near us with a barge pole um so you know you're, you're in a a medium you know, the people who are coming to you saying pick me pick me are probably the people you really don't want to pick mm. because they're running out of options um so you're left with people so sports stars soap stars um, things like that who are you know, just coming off the crest of their career. That's kind of how it goes. So they're people, they've been around enough, so they're familiar faces, but they're not, frankly, making much of a quid at the moment. In fact, some of them have retired from TV or sport or whatever, and this is just, they come back to do something different for change. So that's kind of where you start looking. And you want some interesting people, a bit of left field stuff, um, and some of your basic, basic people. But in the conversations that we started to have very, very quickly for obvious reasons with, with them or their managers, the first question would be, so is this actual survivor or is it just sort of play survivor in a hotel? No, actual survivor. So, so they have tents and things. No. Oh, sleeping bags. No. Oh, um, Okay, I'll get back to you. <laughs> and so that whittled down a lot. Um, you know, when when we started to to tell people, no, this is this is a, actually Survivor. You're celebrities, but you're doing Survivor. And I, there's a story I want to tell, and I I don't know whether Guy or anyone else has talked about it. <clears throat> it was on day three, the morning of day three, night night of second night, and um, it had been raining torrentially 
through the night. And this is early in the show and they don't yet have, frankly, much kit. Um, they hadn't won it. So they're still at the, the palm frond level of making a shelter out of palm fronds, no sleeping bags, frankly, huddling up together. Blokes in one, girls in the other, huddling up, spooning each other. And it was howling wind and pissing down with rain. <clears throat> and I know it because in my hotel room, I could hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and at two in the morning, um, my phone goes, and we have a safety officer, um, obviously near the set. Um, and he calls me, and he's on a sat phone because there's no reception. And he's on a, says, uh, David, mate, David, uh, we've got to pull him out. We've got to pull him out. So, why? Mate, they're fucking freezing. <laughs> I said, okay, have you taken their core temperatures? No. Okay, take their core temperatures. But if it drops below 36 and a half or 35, whatever, 36, I can't remember what it was. If, it drops below, if the core temperatures dropping below 36, okay, we've got a problem. If not, they're just cold and miserable. <laughs> See you in the morning. <laughs> now, the following morning, um, we were we were filming a challenge out of this pig stuff. It wasn't pig yeah. stuff. Lots of pigs, lots of mud. And, shit. and we're just about to get the thing rolling and Dicko's just about to do his piece. We've got all the cameras ready. And <clears throat> one of the contestants, I won't, I won't actually list names, but one of them came up and he said, uh, David, want a word? Hmm, okay, uh, can you wait? No, no, it needs to be said now. <laughs> right, okay. Um, and he said, uh, who's a he? He said, um, a few of us have been talking and we're not happy. We're not happy with the conditions. I said, pause it there. Give me one moment, pause it there. Um, cameras one, two, three, I want a close up. Uh, why shot on the group? Yeah, uh, you can do a reversal on me. Okay, rolling, we've got sound. Okay, let's roll. So now, what are you saying? <laughs> um, we're, we're, uh, with the conditions, I said, look, okay, I know it's pretty miserable last night. It's, and, you know, I'm really glad you're still here. We've got a choice. Right now, the choice is in your hands. This can go one of two ways. Um, we can do survivor light and you'll get tense and you'll get some food and we'll, we'll play, we'll pretend to do survivor and some will, you know, money will go to charity and you'll all be comfy and we'll all be okay. Or we can actually do survivor. Which one do you want? Oh, well, survivor. Good. Okay. Let's, uh, are we ready now for the next challenge? <laughs> Oh, and David, just, you've got to tell us who now. It was, <laughs> it was just at that moment, you're on day three, and you think all these celebs and their managers, should they be able to get hold of them, which they can't, thank God, will be on me. <laughs> they, and they will rebel. I'll lose them. I, they will, they'll, be a, they'll strike. They'll sit down. They'll strike. And I'll, I'll lose the show. You know, we've got million... Uh, We'll talk about budget later, but exactly how much money I was writing on it, and it's gone. And I'll be phoning the network. Um, yeah, I kind of haven't got a show. Um, <laughs> and that was a pivotal moment. I either reined them in or I didn't. And um, yep, it worked. 
I'm just, I'm just picturing you now, David, because after you finally solved all that, you're like, all right, are we ready to film? And then Imogen would have come up to you at that challenge and said, oh, I'm an animal activist. I don't want to do it, be involved with the pigs. And you would have been like, oh, shit. You know? <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Sit down and I shut know. up and listen. Exactly. <laughs> oh. yes. David, come no, on now. No, come on. No it pigs, was a guy. No pigs were eaten. Was it Guy <laughs> Leach? Was that Guy Leach that came up to you? Oh, uh, look, I'd, I'd sooner not, but there were a couple of... Um, it was Guy Leach. I'm right taking there. that as alpha a Alpha males, <laughs> alpha males who wanted to wield their weight. I don't think it was David Oldfield. Say that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, I'll say this, David. Is this one of the problems that you were worried about, like not doing a celebrity version rather than a normal season? Like... This is day three and you're already having these dramas. Is this something that you were well aware was going to happen throughout throughout the 25 days? Yep, yep. Everything, every day more so, I suspect, than a proper survivor. I mean, I, I'm going to use that word, proper survivor. We weren't doing proper survivor. Um, anything else, every day was a negotiation. Yep. Um, they wanted something out of us, mostly food. Um, but they wanted something out of us or they wanted to do this or that, or I don't want to do this. Everything was negotiation. Um, and I had to lay down pretty early on that we don't, there's some things we can negotiate about because we need them to perform for us. There's a lot of performing. Um, so we needed them to perform. So for that, we had to have a bit of give and take, but there's some things that, you know, we are just non-negotiable. Well, I'm sure that's something that when you went into, you, you knew was going to happen and you, you I mean, you had to nip it in the bud early. Uh, otherwise, like you said, everything was a negotiation. If you would have tried to give in to them too much at the start, I could imagine by the end of it, you, you would have you would have been ready to walk away and say, you know what, forget about it. I, I can imagine, you know, by episode four or something, it'd be, okay, the challenge we've got for this, oh, no, I don't want to do that. No, <laughs> no. And or the immunity reward is, oh, God, you can do better than that. <laughs> everything would have been a, um, they'd realize that there was weakness, if you like. They didn't realize how on edge I was that the whole thing could fall over. Well, and, and this is the interesting part. Going back to when you said you only had six weeks to prepare for this season. I mean, even just hearing you talk about all the stuff that you had to go through in the early part of the game, that's extraordinary because six weeks to plan a 25-day season, you would have had to put a lot of things in place that, you know, how each day was going to pan out. Um, I would love to hear about that, just that six-week well, period. And is, you know, I mean, it's, it's fairly formatted. All you need is you need two challenges, you know, a challenge a day. That's it. And you need your, your um, tribal council thing. Um, so it's pretty straightforward. And having done whatever six seven series of the mole plus the whole of who dares wins game playing thinking up the games thinking up the challenges that's the easy bit that was the fun bit i love doing that um so thinking them up and also we had the whole survivor library um to play with um so a lot of that was thinking about what can we pull off that's going to have one big challenge per show that's going to look fantastic on our limited budget um, and one lesser one um, that we can actually get built in time and will look survivory on a budget. Um, and that was that's where a lot of the trick came. And um, I'd love to, and frankly, we just 
we just outsourced it. So a mate of mine, Daryl, um, in New Zealand, we just commissioned him. He flew up to Vanuatu. He brought his team. He hired, um, I think there were 250 locals working on the production, building stuff, um, and doing all the art direction and all the, all the props. and everything. So he was running all of that. Um, and I just outsourced it. Um, you know, we came up with lots of ideas. They started then just making it. And then, wow. then, then we, we were testing the games, the, the challenges, while we were shooting. Mm-hmm. So we were testing episode four while we were shooting episode one. Yeah. That's how tight it was. So we had different units setting stuff up, testing it in some, somewhere else while we can do another episode and slowly catching up. Wow. And, you know, it kind of worked. That's crazy. And I definitely want to talk about the challenges because one thing that I think definitely holds up very well with the Celebrity Survivor season, I don't think there's a bad challenge in the entire season. I think the challenges are actually fantastic and that wasn't quite the case in the Channel 9 version, uh, which I still stand by. The worst um, challenge I've ever seen is on that season. (laughs) Well, uh, thank you for saying I I hold up True Survivor um, on a pedestal because their challenges, their art direction is extraordinary we wanted my aim was to capture 80 percent of that mm. on 10 percent of the budget wow and i kind of think we were, were getting there we didn't reach anywhere near the height of art direction and challenge intricacy that they did we hope we'd just get away with it now, that's all that's all i was aiming to do well, I think you did. I think you succeeded, definitely. Because, again, we'll talk about sort of the, the perception of kind of the season uh, a little bit after. Just, again, mm. quickly on the casting, you mentioned about your dream cast and kind of things like that. I mean, was there anyone that sort of you got close? I mean, the, the famous one that sort of uh, Amber talked a lot about was uh, mm. Anna Kornikova was apparently mm. very much touted. Yeah. I mean, did, was there anyone that you can sort of say that was maybe, you know, very close to getting or that you really were trying to get and maybe just couldn't get at the last minute? Do you remember sort of any other names that were kind of being thrown out there during that time? Um, <clears throat> Anna Kornikova was the only one that we were prepared to sink a truckload of money into. Right. But she came with a condition that she could get the truckload of money and she'd be out after three eps. Oh, wow. wow. And we couldn't, we, we couldn't, in all honesty, con the audience like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't right. And so, <clears throat> and pardon that, we would, we would have needed her for the end anyway, but we couldn't, we couldn't get around that. I guess it's a bit similar to what happens uh, many years later in Celebrity Apprentice when they got David Hasselhoff over. He was only in it for a very short time and clearly had done a sweetener deal mm. where they'd paid him a certain amount of money. He would only be in it for this long. Uh, in a show that's meant to be, you know, you get voted out, whatever, but yeah. it was clearly a sweetener deal where you're only in it for a certain amount of time, which was clearly what Anna yeah. Kornikova wanted all those years earlier with her sweetener deal on Celebrity Survivor. Mm. Um, and you know some shows you can do, but you don't fuck around with Survivor like that. No. You know then then quite apart from that, everyone else, all the other contestants, then know that, and then their contribution is devalued. Mm. So it's just it's unfair all around. Which we talked a little bit last week about the cast overall and kind of you know Australia has a very 
common, you know, our mentality when we see these shows. What, what's the thing we always talk about? Oh, they're not celebrities. Who are they? I've never heard of them, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we sort of mentioned a little bit last week about how I think what this season lacked was kind of that David Hasselhoff, that real name that drew you in. You know, we joked before mm-hmm. that Dicko was maybe the biggest name. Yeah. And I guess yeah. that was the Anna Kornikova factor, wasn't it? If you have mm-hmm. Anna Kornikova attached to Celebrity Survivor, you're going to have a certain audience who are going to tune in and watch it based purely on the yeah. fact you got Anna Kornikova yeah. on the show, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then I'm a celebrity has made a um, made its format out of having the not quite celebs. Mm-hmm. The celebs who are pretty good, but just not quite. I mean, they're, they're actually on a different level to where we had. They were on a you know, higher level of, of celebrityness. But you know, they're, they're, I think, and I think now people have got used to the idea that yeah, you're not going to get your absolute A graders because, frankly, why would they? But you will get um, um, people, yeah, just one or two levels down. And I think also too that we talked about last week as well is that say I'm a celebrity celebrity apprentice shows like that given at that period of time reality television had been around for a certain amount of time that people were celebrities because they were on reality television you know Sarah Marie mm. who was Imogen's friend she was on Celebrity Big Brother mm. kind of that and that we see mm. that on Celebrity Apprentice like Tim Dorner you know people like that come back on based on them being famous mm. and you were kind mm. of in that period where yes there were bona fide reality television stars in Australia mm. at that point but you didn't really have anyone like the token reality famous contestant, did you? Was that deliberate? Was that just how it played out? Kind of, did you not want to go down that path of this person's only I'm, famous? I'm, I'm shoot me down in flames, but I'm still of the view that anyone who appears on on reality TV, unless they're displaying a skill like singing, they're well known people. Yeah, yeah. That's all they are. Mm-hmm. They're not. They don't. This is old school. They haven't earned their place. Which is frankly. which they is what we yeah, they, we talked about that last yeah. week because it's it's it. I mean, it's interesting, kind of how because even back then, when kind of you know, you look at someone like Sarah Marie, for example, on Big Brother. Mm. You know, I'm a Tasmanian. Reggie, obviously, very you know proud mm. of Reggie. Mm. But I mean, mm. like they were on a different level to what a famous person from reality is now, weren't they? Mm. Whereas like Sarah Marie and Reggie legitimately were household names in Australia. Whereas nowadays, you know, no one will remember who won Big Brother, Mm. you know, on Channel Mm. 7 last year or things like Mm. that. You know what I mean? It's kind of, it was different, but at the same time, it's, because that's where that Australian mentality, when we go like, oh, they're not a celebrity, who are they? The next thing is when you turn around and say like, oh, they're on reality, they weren't really a celebrity. I think I think the thing about any celebrity format is part of the entertainment is seeing someone you've known in one environment and taking them to another. So a singer, a sports star, an actor, take them to an island. If you have a reality contestant, well, we've seen them in one environment, Big Brother or whatever. Now we're going to take them to another environment, an island. Yeah. No. What I'd want to see is I want to see them now singing. Okay. <laughs> you know, you're taking someone from one place to another. Let's see how they go. That's where the interest is. So I think just transposing between reality shows, I think it's just is just a little bit feeble. With, with the casting too, like you mentioned kind of about how, you know, you sports stars, soap stars and things like that. Do you, Does Channel 7 also then kind of like, hey, we kind of want someone from home and away. We kind of want someone like this. Do oh, they kind oh, yeah. of have a sort of oh, bit yeah. of an input to make sure that oh, their yeah, network's been represented? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. The whole point of a celebrity show is to um, self-promote. Um, uh, 
because not only do you then get them on the morning shows and or radio, so they're increasing their exposure, which helps either celebrity show plus also their their home base show as well. So absolutely, you you want to pull if you can about a third of the cast from your own family. So you you guys didn't end up getting Anna Kornikova. So I'd love to get your opinion on who who was the main star because I, I, I'm looking at the list. You had Elton Flatley had retired from football only only like a year oh. <laughs> only like a year earlier. So he's, oh he's a sports star, but I wouldn't say celebrity. Um, you know, you've got uh, Nicole Dixon. Well, she was big in the late '80s, early '90s, but. You know, we all knew her as Bobby, but they even had to sort of in the promo. We had to super it, yeah. Yeah, you had to mention. You may not remember me from. (laughs) Yeah, it was yeah, and and it was like you know this is Bobby Nicole Dixon, the actress. You know, um, you know, but who who like I mean Wayne Gardner was was big. Everyone knew Wayne Gardner's name, but once again, an athlete, sports star. Who was the main celebrity? Do you think, in your opinion, on on the cast? Dicko. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. well that's, and that's exactly what that's we should get that's it you know it was not six weeks not the audience knows about this or cares but in six weeks I think we pulled together an okay cast yeah. was it a cast that we can be really proud of no no we just got away with it um, I think in some respects David Oldfield was probably the oh the kind of person you think well that's an odd sort of person to be doing a show like that great casting though great fantastic casting. Oh, casting. king david king david we call him he, he yeah fabulous yeah so great. i think he was um look they're frankly they're all filler material which you know, which is um, interesting david though you say that because we did talk about last week on the show that because uh, matt sort of posed a question to both of us like you know, who would we change? Kind of who would we like to see? And I sort of answered like, I'm, I wouldn't change this cast now in, in hindsight. Like, yeah, okay, you've got that opinion of who they are, but I think kind of what makes the season is obviously the players and ultimately how it all turns out. And while, okay, they're not A-listers, B-listers, C-listers, they might be D-listers, I don't know. Like, mm. I think we still mm. ended up with a great product, which I, I would say like even more so some of the champions versus contenders, we've had some real fizzes on the mm. champions and contenders seasons mm-hmm. based on so-called celebrities who kind mm. of, even the bigger name celebrities who kind of don't live up to the level of celebrity they are. Well, the, the thing in any casting, and I'm going to go back on what I said about celebrity casting, you need your bad guys, your, your bad people, the people who are going to stir the pot. Um, you need your innocence who are going to be um, played, frankly, but somehow may turn out good. You need um, two or three people of both sexes who look good in bikinis or swimmers. Um, you know, the eye candy. So, you know, by the time you've got all those, it's just, mm, that's who you got. Was there anyone else that you can remember that was really close to getting on, or, or like, and also even too, like the, on that question you mentioned before about how you have some people even coming to you, and you kind of like, well, if they're wanting to come to me, was Warwick Kappa one of those people? No, he wasn't. Now, why didn't we? He would have been gold. He's always Family on every celebrity show, calling Look, up. I'm I, sure. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure that Warwick Kappa would have quite understood what Survivor's about. <laughs> he still would have done it. Like he, still, he still would have yeah. done it. He still would have done it, but I'm not sure he would have 
quite understood what it was about. And um, reminds me of a time on the mole. <laughs> so just diverging quickly. Time of the mole series one, where one of the contestants um, got to the finally got eliminated. And, um, she, um, you know, so who do you think the mole is? And she said, me. I think I'm the mole. I think we're all moles. I think everyone's mole. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. What are we going to do with this? don't quite understand the show. Wow. <laughs> um, and and I, I think it, with everyone on a show like Survivor, because the audience knows the show, the cast really have to know what it's about. Which, they don't again, have to I... know the full history, but they have to know that you're going to have to play politics. And David Oldfield, obviously, politics, that was his baby. So, again, I'm pressing this question, David, because there's no one else who'll be able to answer this. So there's no one else you can remember who was nearly on the cast or pulled out or you wanted or anything like that? I can't. I was so intent on getting everything organised that the cast is going to be the cast, whoever we can get on that plane. So with Anna Kornikova, you said 36 hours before the game was starting, she pulled out. Was that obviously then Amber was the backup for her? Because from from talking to Amber, she was on at one second, then she wasn't, and then she gets a call up just before to say, hey, pack your bags, get out here, you're on. Yeah, I think it was Amber who was the um, um, the standby ticket, so to speak. Not Ben. Um, there you go, Matt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, not Ben, yeah. Um, and then and even with the starting of the game, they only showed – there was only nine on the boat. There yeah. was only nine on the boat. Justin Melvy and – Gabrielle Richards. Now she's she's an interesting one. I actually think she was a she was a pretty big name at the time, uh, especially for me. I you know um, I was I'm into rugby league, so she was heavily on the the footy show, the rugby league footy show at the time. Mm. She'd been dating Solomon Hamono. Um, she's obviously from the UK. How did it go about getting Gabrielle Richards? Was she just another one just through the agent, or is that someone that you, you wanted on the show? Obviously, she, oh, she does look good in a bikini. I hadn't, hadn't noticed that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, her and Justin, we just wanted some eye candy who might get the hearts fluttering in the opposite camp. Um, and, um, and yeah, look, they, they performed exactly as expected, I think. Which, I, I'm dying to know the budget. I'm going to ask that in just a second, David. But just quickly, Vanuatu, location. So two things on this. You obviously would have seen on the Australian version on Channel 9 that they filmed in Australia, and a lot of fans were very unhappy about <clears> that. So was it a, a key point to film overseas, and was Vanuatu the only choice? Were there other options? Pretty much the only choice. Um, okay, so we've got six weeks. The, if you can imagine the logistical limiting factors, we need direct flights, okay? So um, <clears throat> we need direct flights, preferably within a couple of hours. So that gives us Fiji, Vanuatu, Nukau, that kind of string up there. Preferably somewhere where survivors already been. Huh. Vanuatu was there two years before. Um, somewhere with a government that's going to just welcome a bunch of people coming in and playing a bit of cultural havoc, frankly. Um, and... Those are the main the main things. I think the the Vanuatu the 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 big thing for us was U.S. Survivor had just been there, 
we went to the identical location that they they had. Um, their tribal council was had obviously been gone, but we could see where it was, and we basically rebuilt it. Yeah. Frankly, we we had a lot of the decisions had been made for us, yeah. so we didn't have any. We didn't have to recce too much. Uh, we knew what was there, um, and we knew the government there had been through it, so there's nothing new for them. And it was just, frankly, easier to step into those footprints. Finally, you know, we added all our own stuff, but there was a system in place that we could step into. With the budget, tell me, hmm. David, what was the budget for Celebrity Survivor? Um, from memory, it's about 300 nep. Wow. Um, which is two-fifths of piss all now. Yeah. Only, then it was quite a lot, but it wasn't, wasn't extreme. So that's... We, were deter- we were determined, as I said, to do 80% of Survivor on a tenth of the budget. Which, yeah, because the rumours have always fluctuated around po- cost per episode in the US, obviously being well over a million per episode. So oh, yeah. in my massive correct, that's less than five million for the entire season then that you've got. Oh, less than that. That's, God, yeah. that's crazy. Because yeah. like, like, we know that Stephen Peters didn't give us an exact figure, but he said it was less mm. than 10. But mm. it it's so fascinating to kind of think about a product that you I, I would almost go out on a limb and say that you would assume that your budget would be bigger than Channel 9 Season 1 because you've got your overseas. You're mentioning you've got to pay celebrities. Like, you know, Channel 9 didn't have overseas to pay. Overseas is cheap. It's overseas cheap. is cheap. Yeah. Right. Okay, there you go, Channel 9. What are you doing there? Stephen Peters, no excuse for Whaler's Way. If you're flying people, Sydney to Adelaide, that's about the same as Sydney to Port Vila. About the same. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not too far different. Um, your wage costs, frankly, for construction are less. Uh, you know, we're paying, I think, twice the going rate, but it's still, frankly, half what we'd be paying anywhere else. Um, Everything. You know, hotels, funny, you've got a hotel, but you've got a hotel anywhere. You know, it's just, it's pretty straightforward. So oh, the, the big expense, the big expense, helicopter. Mm, well, wow. so uh, this is, this is all pre-drones. Yeah. So we had to fly a helicopter up from Queenstown in New Zealand. Wow. And it island hopped. Wow. To get up there, stayed there for two weeks, then island hopped on the way back. That is a long way. That's a long way. That's a long way. While we're on the topic of, of money, obviously each of the twelve contestants would have had would have negotiated different amounts of appearance fees and all that with their agents and depending on, you know, how high up they are, I guess, mm. on the totem pole. But <clears throat> how did it work? This is something I want to clear up. So someone like Kim Johnson obviously gets her appearance fee. It's all too hard for her, she wants to go. But what was the incentive? for players to actually try to get to the 25 days? Was it the longer you lasted, the more money you got? Because otherwise it doesn't make sense. Like if if Kim Johnson wants to go after day two or three and she's still going to get the same amount of money as she would if she lasts 25 days, what? how did you counteract that? Uh, from memory, it's a sign-on fee plus dailies. Okay. Yep. So, there, But but no one is no one is doing it for the for the daily pay. So they're, 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 they're doing it. They want to survive because they're playing the game. And they think this is three weeks or a little bit more of my life. In this, I want to play it. I want to show my kids or other people I can do this. 
And you know what? This is an experience I'm never, ever going to repeat. And I guess for some of them too, the more episodes they're on, the more airtime they're getting, they hope that it will lead to, to other things. There, there is that, but frankly, when, when you're on the island, you're not thinking like that. You're thinking, you're, your whole head's in the game. You're not really thinking about exposure outside. And, and we know, obviously, the winner, um, Guy Leach, he ended up winning 100000 for his charity. But was there an, another prize for the actual winner themselves? No. Like, no. There, there was no extra money no. just for, for, for no. coming first? No. no, no, it was all just daily daily feed. Yeah. And talk, talking of Guy winning, that that's my big regret. Not that he won um, or Justin came second. But the two people who had been voted out and then brought back in ended up winning coming second. That was unfair. Well, and I didn't see... think I didn't think for a moment that when we're thinking about sending people out, bringing them back in, it didn't occur to me for a moment that the jury would allow them to <laughs> yeah. win, having had that advantage. Your season, I don't know if you know this, David, holds a very unique distinction in the yeah, history I, I read of Global that. Survivor. I read that. Yeah, yeah I've yeah. been the only thing that every player voted out. Yeah. Ever. Excellent. That's a crazy stat. Talk about fucking the format. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it really is a weird sit when, stat when you hear that. And it's, it's interesting sort yeah. of about it's, a, it's, it's just not right. It's not right. Do, with the players, just with their appearance, were, were they all the sign-on fee? Was it different per celebrity? And who can you tell us who got the most and who got the least? No, I can't even remember. And right. and I think, to be honest, we we enter a territory where oh, you know what, that's personal to those people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even if I could remember, I don't think I'd want to share it. That's 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 fair enough. Now, David, you you mentioned the helicopter. Now, one thing I will say, I agree with you about how it was unfair players coming back in, winning and all that. And we're going to talk a lot about that later on. But I've got to give credit where credit's due. That opening with Dicko on top of Mount Yasser with the the helicopter views. and Can I just say to this day, it is still the best opening of any Australian (laughs) survivor in history. And and I'm giving all the credit. I'm I'm hoping that it was you that came up with that idea because it is fantastic. Oh, we just copied. I think we copied the US one. <laughs> we thought, <laughs> the, the only reason to come to Vanuatu, not the only reason, um, is the rope jumping, which I know about through Who Dares anyway, um, but, um, and volcanoes. So stuff it. We've got to do that. Um, and, you know, I'm the type of bloke. You know, any, give me half a chance to go anywhere that's fun. Um, so, yeah, we, we had to ferry people up to the top of the volcano with the chopper. Um, it was a bloody big walk. Um, so we're ferrying people up, um, the cast and Dicko and the crew. And um, um, sure enough, we got it when the volcano was active. And it was seriously active. Oh, it, um, it's so good. Like, I'm honestly yeah. like, it's by far the best, uh, best opening of any Australian survivor. Now, where were, I, you, were you in the chopper? Were you like on the volcano? Oh, yeah, I was on, on chopper and um, on the on the. On the on the edge as well, we all were, um, and looking down and smelling it. Yeah. So you, you can feel the heat, you can smell it. And um, I keep on looking over at the chopper pilot who, um, yeah, he didn't wind down. So he, he, he dropped us. He wouldn't wind the chopper down while he was there and because he, he needed a quick getaway. And I said, look, we can't do it with audio. So you go away, we'll 
call you back when we need you just so we could have clear audio. Um, so he took off and then the, the, the volcano started erupting more. And I thought, holy shit, what happens if it erupts yeah. too much that you can't even land? <laughs> and I'm saying, just don't go too far away. <laughs> so what, what about the government? Like, are, are they are they worried in that situation that well, we're letting these people right on the rim of the volcano? They're filming. No, what happens if it does? It's, it's more cultural. It's more cultural than government. It's um, it's what the volcano means spiritually hmm. to um, the people in Vanuatu, and we were, uh, we we got the approval. It's all yeah. okay. Um, <clears throat> I don't think we angered the gods. I think the gods seem to be pretty angry before we arrived. <laughs> Which is is fascinating too, because um, I mean, it's not just the volcano. I think the the whole opening on the boat. You've got the the locals, and you've even got Dico getting involved with the oars and yeah. kind of really getting involved. Yeah. I, I love it. And what's also really great about your season is it kind of it toes that line of sort of old school, new school U.S. survivor where you know, the location is obviously key in that period of, of US Survivor and you really incorporate the local feel and traditions and things like that. And I don't think any season of Australian Survivor has ever captured that as, as much as you did because you mentioned obviously like the rope jumping challenge. I, it's funny, I remember that. I, I knew mm. about that because of Who Dares Wins. I actually knew about that because of Who Dares Wins. I remember that episode. Um, and then, you know, just all the other cultural aspects uh, when Gabrielle goes and has the, the feast with the locals mm. and is yeah. hugging a child. Yeah. And yeah. you just can't, replicate that and i mean i i'm sure no, as an ep I'm, 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 I'm dead chuffed that you recognize that that's something that's always important to us you know otherwise it is frankly cultural imperialism you know we're, we're there we want to be filming on in this place because of what it offers not in spite of mm. we're, i'm we're just going to tell you something about the rope jumping not, sure, not about this it. yeah not about this show but about who dares yeah so yes, we did do it as a Who Dares Wins, the, the full rope jumping thing. And you know, in the Who Dares format, a contestant could always refuse, and then it would go to Tanya or Mike, and they could be given the opportunity, and if they refuse, the contestant gets the prize, all this sort of stuff. Anyway, there is only one challenge, the one dare we ever did in 13 series of Who Dares Wins, where I said to the contestant, you are not doing and that was the rope jump. Wow. wow. That's the only dare in the entire history of Who Dares Wins where off camera I said to a contestant, you're not doing it. You're going to get the prize, but you're not doing it. <laughs> and he was bitterly disappointed. I think he would have done it. Yeah. He climbed up. He climbed up. Um, but People pay to want to do that, that fine do. jumping. Yeah, it's... Yeah. And Tanya and Mike didn't and do it either, did they? Because yeah. yeah. I sorry? Tanya and Mike, they refused as well, yeah. didn't they? Oh, I guess you wouldn't oh, let yeah, them sometimes. do it. If you're not letting your contestant do it, don't no, no, destroy no, they, the merchandise. No, no, no way. No, no, no. And they, they, um, they, they did a lot of them. Absolutely, legit. It's, yeah, uh, God, I, you're making me now want to do Australian Who Dares Wins archives. Like, God, that's, that's a great show. I, I really... <laughs> Just do the Australian David Mason show. Yeah, <laughs> bloody hell. Pop stars, Bardo. That's Let's exactly. talk about oh, Bardo. God. Why not? Well, you, know, you, you, know, you know what the nickname for pop stars was? Uh, I'd love to know. Flop stars. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you gave us, hang on a minute. Richly I'll take that, butter. You gave us scandalous. Simon Ditchin was a Tasmanian icon for five minutes in 2001. Oh, no, no. I, look, to be honest, I only did the channel um, 7 1 um, Adrian, my former business partner, did the original one. Right. Um, I, I only did one of them. A, a later well, thanks, one. Adrian, for Simon <laughs> Ditchin. 
I mean, come on now. What yeah. a Tasmanian icon he is. I'd just like quickly, before we obviously get back into the game, one thing just with the, the Channel 9 version, do you kind of take note of the so-called failures? I mean, I know it's a different format. I, I realise that. But obviously <clears throat> it's still a version of Survivor that a sh- local fans of the show are happy in some aspect that there's a locally produced mm. version. Do you take note? And, and were, did you also have anybody involved in the crew or anything that had worked on the Whaler's Way one? No, no, we didn't actually. Um at the time, I remember watching it with relief that they hadn't got it right. And that's as a professional relief, because that's the show I wanted to be doing. Mm. And I'm glad they didn't hit the ball out of the park with it. Um, and because I've just done a you know, couple of things of Treasure Island, which is you know, Survivor Light, or Survivor on, you know, without the good bits, um, I knew where, as, as, as does Stephen, where it fell short. And it was just not having bikini weather. Mm. Simple as that. The mm-hmm. moment you have bikinis and buff um, pecs, then, you know, you got everything else you need. And they were just screwed by that. It's It was very fascinating learning over that whole season and just kind of, you know, how it all played out and, you know, arguably one of the hardest seasons in the history of any Survivor, kind of how that all played out. They couldn't obviously fathom for that. You mentioned about how, you know, you, okay. couldn't, you couldn't use things like the music and things like that. With the music... This is Charlie, you... by the way. Hello, Charlie. Sorry, Charlie. How are you, Charlie? This is ben. How are you? You can wave. You can wave. There you go. How proud are you of... of... Is, is his so father... Charlie is five, nearly six. Five, wow. Now, have you seen have you seen uh, your your dad's version of Survivor that you did? Oh, he put, that he did? Uh, actually, he can't. He can't oh, hear we you. can't hear. Okay, anyway. he he can answer that. We'll get him on next week. Yeah. That's fine. Um, we'll fill yeah. in the gaps. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> we like this kind of uniqueness with it. It kind of a uh, it fits well. Matt's going to have children walking in 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 a year's or so time. Actually, like that. Um, yeah, <laughs> the music uh aspect. Jay Stewart, the yeah. composer. Now. One thing, you know, we, we grew to love um, Jack Robin's theme on, on Whaler's Way. Again, another thing that a lot of Australian fans weren't too happy about, that they couldn't use original music. You said you couldn't use, obviously, Russ Landau's theme in, in your version. But, you know, Jay Stewart's version does sound a lot more close to the Survivor theme, ultimately, mm-hmm. as Jack Robin's did. Again, were you involved in that? Does Jay send you oh, a yeah. bunch of samples? And kind of how does that all come so about? I've, I've, I've worked with Jay since early 90s, um, on probably all, all my shows, he's, he's a genius, you know. And all we do is show him some of the footage that had been shot for the title sequence and say, we're not allowed to use the Survivor music, but we want the audience to think as though it is Survivor music. Um, so go away, come back with the Survivor theme that we can get away with. In effect, <laughs> um, so he picked up on all the local instruments, local sounds, whatever. How musicians, how composers do that, I do not know. It's it's not a part of the brain that I've got. But he comes back with stuff, and you think, "Holy shit, that sounds good!" You know, and yeah. then just you had to start getting to work on doing a title sequence, and you think, "Whoa!" Um, and uh, nothing we do that oh, Jay Jay does. Um, he composes music to a finished episode. So we'll put in, he'll give us a library of sound, library of music. We'll put in sample music where we need it. 
we then give the episode to him before the sound mix and he starts from scratch and composes music for that episode for those scenes to that to that timing wow. um, and that that depth of sound we did that for who dares as well in the model but that depth of sound um and we I, i'm i'm a stickler for sound even on survivor where it's pretty difficult to get good sound but when you do and when you create and we had it's all in surround sound that it gives you a, a cinematic feel for a show on a budget it's much cheaper to do good sound than frankly good cinematography I'm glad you signed off on the final theme because it it is fantastic. Like it, it gives you goosebumps just listening to it. It sounds like Survivor. And even if like, say, and I know this wouldn't happen, but just say if Channel 10 now still couldn't have got the rights to the, the American, mm. the, you know, the ancient mm. voices, yeah. you, they could easily use, have used your one. Yeah, and it would, absolutely. And, and yeah. people, it, it was that, it had that Survivor feel to it. And especially... Yeah. For Vanuatu, I thought it was perfect. It kind of yeah. had that chanting involved, and it did. It gave you goosebumps, and it built up to the, the sort of the ending yeah. of the theme. It was it yeah. was great. The, the the pain the pain of it though is from memory that we have to change it every episode um, because the timing of the title not every the timing of the title sequence changes. For instance, when we start introducing other people into it. <laughs> well, yes, because I know at the the first episode obviously didn't have Ben Wynn in it, so you had no. to add him in. So that- I don't, I don't, I don't think the initial one even had um, Gabriel or Justin. Uh, Gabriel, yeah, Gab- Gabriel or Justin yeah. either from memory. So we had to ended up adding more and more people into the title sequence. It's yeah, it's it really is crazy just um, how things like that happen, and it's. I'm with Matt. Like it just, it does give you goosebumps. And it, I mean that, that we all remember hearing ancient voices for the first time. Mm. I mean, it is mm. to this day, maybe oh, my phenomenal. Th- it's just, oh. yeah. I, I, we talked about what money does, mm. you know, that is orchestral. Um, it is also months of composition and trying and changing. That is money. Jay, take this away he he and a couple of others he'll bring in a bit of instrumentation from him there but mostly it's him or it was at that stage now um and he'll do it in about two weeks you know that that's the difference in money and and that's a difference between what we aim for 80 percent of what the u.s show is but on a tenth of the budget you know that's that's that extra 20 percent of quality makes a huge amount of difference but they're so expensive to, to try and attain yeah which which is interesting this might be a question for jay uh you know when we get him on the mm. show but i noticed in the credits when it lists the score it, it does say jay stewart and russ landau were there samples of oh. any russ landau music that he maybe did incorporate why did you have to credit i russ don't landau? know i i can't i can't remember that i don't know I don't know. Mm. Yeah, because it's it's interesting. I I it's, I've interviewed Russ um, on mm. a show I did before, and I actually messaged him uh, to kind of say like, "Oh, mm. were you involved?" And he was like, "No, mm. I, I you know they might have licensed something he didn't know." Mm. But um, yeah, no, I'd love to find that out from Jay kind mm. of because it's interesting to kind of see Russ's name in the credits. Mm. So I didn't know if there was that maybe I one. Have, yeah, wasn't aware of. Yeah. yeah, and it's also just you're talking about sort of the, the process of getting the tape to Jay and everything. I mean, just on the editing, because, again, a, a similar thing that a lot of people will say about the, the Channel 9 version, you know, the editing was a little bit off. It wasn't quite the same. 
your version very tight, very on point with the US version at that time. It, it feels a lot more Survivor esque, like the US version. How heavily involved were you in kind of making that I, episode oh, feel that well, way? Con- constantly, I, I think I was almost slavish to the US version. Um, we all wanted the audience to feel, oh yeah, this is proper Survivor, even mm-hmm. though it's not. We wanted the audience to feel this is legit. This is this is what Survivor should be in terms of theme music, everything, editing. Um, and so we didn't want to muck around with that, with any of it. So um, the, ed- the actual editing style, no, we weren't, we weren't actually, you know, copying cuts or anything, but certainly the rhythm, the way it plays out. Um, yeah, the, the, the Americans did it so well from the get-go. The, even the very first few series were just, as I said, phenomenal. So, you know, why would you try and reinvent? Yeah, which, I mean, it's interesting kind of, you know, we obviously grew in your appreciation for the Channel 9 version. And, and by that point, too, when you were doing Survivor, you know, it was in a different period of the US mm. version as well, obviously. Mm. You know, Channel 9 had only had two US seasons behind yeah. it, but it was still very old school, very documentary style, where by mm. your point, Cook Islands, mm. Panama, the original mm. Vanuatu, it had tightened up a little bit more, so you had mm. a bit more to play with. Mm. One really quick question I'd love to ask you about with Dico. One thing mm. I noticed on a recent rewatch in the commentary, it almost seemed as though like a lot of his commentary was dubbed on in post-production. Was any of that dubbed in later? Oh, yeah. Look, he... Um, so he'd be mic'd up and he'd be watching and commentating live. Um, but, yeah, we'd, we'd, write, we'd, we'd write stuff in edit, say, look, we need this because, you know, we're having to cut a chunk out of a challenge and, that, and that's a, a tricky thing with these challenges you know you you, you don't want to edit them as live sport a thing that takes eight minutes well you know, you're going to see it for three minutes but still somehow it has to make sense yeah so that was always a, a tricky thing so yes um often we'd need him to voice voice bits just to try and get us over some pretty hefty cuts or something I'd love to know, I mean, obviously you mentioned before about kind of the, the incident, at the, that challenge. I still believe it's mm. Guy, uh, you, although David could be one of those two. Uh, uh, you know, Imogen no doubt would have had some questions about, mm. uh, you know, the pigs. And again, pigs. you might not want to answer this one for me, David, but I mean, who were the most difficult contestants? Who were the ones who were constantly questioning and kind of constantly that? And on the flip side, who was the best? Who kind of just played it like Survivor and didn't really give you grief? Well, I think you just hit the nail on the head, frankly, <laughs> with the people you've mentioned. <laughs> All right, um, there we go. <laughs> you, know, this, you, you can look at it and guess who, who are the people who just want things to go their way. Yeah. Um, and the thing about Survivor is you're in a place where things are not going to go your way. That's why you're there. So, um, so the yeah, those people, David, guy um <laughs> who really need things to go their way yes they're antagonistic but you're making good tv we want that antagonism we don't want you just all to be puppies and best mates and and i was really fearful we had to make sure that not everyone is going to get best mate mm-hmm. on the other hand someone like nicole such a gorgeous mum you know just she just wants to please everyone please everyone in the crew please everyone else you know, um, and I'm thinking, oh, you poor love, you know, <laughs> you're, you're there. Frankie. And I'd say, are you okay this morning? And she'd say, yeah, had a lovely night, slept a bit, you know. 
Which, it's, I mean, Nicole, uh, yeah. I mean, her and Imogen, I think I said it last week, maybe one of the, if not the strongest pairing ever in Australian Survivor mm. in terms of alliance-wise. Mm. Great, you know, Nicole, very underrated players, both of them. It's, it's funny with Guy, the, the one moment I think that kind of shines that personality is in that final challenge when he fall, you know, his, his foot slips and kind of Dicko calls back. And, like, it's interesting that it's even kept in the edit where kind of he's like, no, that's bullshit. That's not fair. No, no, that's bullshit. Like, and he's just questioning. And Dicko just kind of yeah. holds station and just keeps with the game. It's such a great yeah. moment. I love seeing Guy, like, in that moment. I, throughout all of these things, like, uh, those, that type of challenge, I'm glued to a monitor. Um, you know, sitting on a beach or somewhere, glued to a monitor, looking, and I'm telling cameras, I need a camera on the foot. Just don't let go of the foot because I need to, if he lifts it, it's gone, and I have to be able to back up Dicko. Um, and Dicko would be looking at me, and if the foot lifted, I'd be like, and he'd, he'd, he'd trust me um, that I've called it right. Um, but God, I had that. No, there's no action replay, but God, I had to be right on it. Um, you were right. I watched that the other day. You were right. With strong personalities <laughs> like that, with strong personalities like that, you have to be right. Mm. And you have to be absolutely clear with the rules. These are the rules, simple, simple for the audience to, to get, but also simple for the contestant. You know, the decision is going to be clear. Well, I'm glad you guys actually kept that in the edit because we know now, and I've been on the show like, People do argue about results of challenges and stuff mm. like that, but you just don't see it where mm. this was a classic case mm. where guys saying, well, no, he's arguing with the host saying, no, I, this is crap. This is mm. bullshit. And Dicko and yourself were right. He, he His foot did mm. slip, but I'm actually glad that it was kept in the edit because it kind of does show that, you know, like these challenges, if people don't just always accept the final result. Again, the thing we always say in reality TV that you want to create situations that create the unpredictable. Mm. And it's moments like that, plenty more actually in the mole, but there are moments like that where the unpredictable happens that becomes a good TV. And um, in that case, Guy arguing, well, that then, that sort of has show content validity because that's the type of person he is. We're seeing a bit of the real guy that all the other contestants see and will be voting on as well. Mm. So it's, it all plays into it. It's not, oh, let's just be mean, we'll show this thing. No, this all plays into the type of person he is, the type of game he's playing. So things like that, I think, are vital. Um, anything that goes wrong in a show, nearly anything, anything besides freezing water and wind, um, nearly anything that goes wrong in a show is going to make good TV unless it shows up the production as having fucked up. Then it, then, then you withdrawn, if you like the third wall, um, the fourth wall. So anything that goes wrong, people stumbling around, people missing things, people screwing up, whatever. That's great TV all the time. You mentioned the unpredictability of filming survivor and, and especially a, a celebrity survivor kim johnson first episode she ends up becoming the the second person in history person. to vote herself out obviously it happened in season one in australia with uh, lucinda voted for herself what which i didn't which i didn't know by the way i thought kim was the first no 
No. Never. So yeah. she's the second, and it happened to be the first episode on both seasons. What well, happened? Typical Aussies. Two yeah. Aussie shows. <laughs> well, De- Des- ever- I'm glad Des didn't vote for himself no. on Channel 10, well, otherwise Australian Survivor fans would have yeah. been so fucking Thank- mad. <laughs> th- thankfully, thankfully they've, they've cleaned up that rule now that you cannot vote for yourself. So if you want to quit, you're a quitter, go, go, you're out, and you'll be known as a quitter. What was what happened around that? Like, obviously, you allowed her to vote for herself, but what ended up happening okay. with Kim? Bottom line, bottom line is she was going to walk. Um, and I thought, how do we handle this? Because we'll run out of contestants before we get to our 13 eps, um, if you walk. Um, so I had to cajole her just to stay on um, and allow yourself to be voted out. Um, I told her it'd be my preference if you don't vote for yourself, vote for someone else, um, but allow yourself to be voted out and you will be. Um, but she chose to be honest, frankly. Um, and, you know, I, I, I applaud her for being honest. Um, and because there are no survivor rules, then frankly, she wasn't breaking a rule. You know, no one had ever said that. It's not in any rule book or anything. So she's entitled to write what she likes on that bit of paper. And I'll give you credit, like with the editing, they did try to edit around it to not show that she had voted for herself. But of course, it gets out that she had. And and, yeah. Yes, that's right. And but but you did do a good job of trying to avoid it, unlike with Lucinda, where she's like, yeah, I'm voting for myself in season yeah. one and they show mm-hmm. it all that. Mm-hmm. So I'll give credit there. And it is interesting to hear that she was going to walk. What was it? Did she not realize that she was signing up for for a real, like yep. a semi-real Pretty much so. I mean, she, uh, her view was, oh, well, we're going to a tropical island and we're going to be sleeping on the beach. That'll be lovely. Yeah. And she had actually understood what that actually entails. And it wasn't wow. for her. Um, and we kind of knew it on the way in, frankly. We knew that, yeah, she's, she's probably not going to hack it for long. Um, so d- does that... I guess anger you a little bit. Like he, you're putting a. I could imagine you would have been putting in a long hours to get the show up and running. These people are getting paid to be there, and then what? From almost day two or whatever, they're like, "I'm, I'm going to walk." Like that, it must be frustrating. No, no, far from it. Because all we care about is making 13 episodes. Have we got enough content? Have we got some good stuff? Um, or are we going to be laughed out of town by the TV industry? by Survivor fans, by critics. That's, that's your big fear. Number one, don't get laughed out of town. Number two, try and make something good. Mm. Um, and so, no, I, I, didn't get up, I didn't get upset by what h- human beings want to do. I mean, they're human beings. That's why, that's why you want your TV. Um, just try not to fuck it up for everyone else. I, the two big things I'd love to get answers from you today... Uh, one you might not be able to answer, I'm not too sure. The other I know you'll be able to answer. <laughs> the Justin Melvey bribing situation, uh, it, it kind of loosely gets explained but doesn't and never really gets a full answer. Do you know what exactly Justin was offering yeah. and what happened around all that? Oh, that's been wiped from my brain. Um, no, I don't. I think... Yeah, um, from memory, he may have been cutting an off-camera deal for votes, um, which I don't give a 
a toss about, frankly. It doesn't really affect the show, except the fact that anything that's done that we can't tell the audience about is unfair on the audience. Yeah. So um, that's the only reason I'd care about something well, like that. Well, it's, it's interesting because the reason I bring that up is because, yeah, you're right. So essentially what, you know, we see is all of a sudden the episode where Justin initially gets voted out, Imogen kind of, you know, she gives up immunity so she can be like, hey, I'm not just saying this because... Mm. I have mm. immunity. I'm going to give this up essentially to prove that I'm doing this cause of integrity. You know, great move by Imogen, mm. I will say. Mm. Um, and she basically says that, you know, Justin, you have been, you know, keeping people around to stay in the game to back you up by offering us bribe. Justin mm. never really answers it. It gets brought up again mm. in Final Tribal Council. And, you know, you, you talk about the rules and it's, again, it's fascinating to hear this from you and Stephen that you're not given any rules. Mm. So you've got free will. In the US version, it's clear as day. You cannot make deals. Like, you can't, mm. you know, consign, can share the money. Like, if I win, you know, take me to the end and I'll share mm. that million dollars. You're not allowed to do that. Mm. It's strictly mm. forbidden. Same with voting mm. for yourself. Strictly forbidden. So, it's, it's kind of mm. fascinating. I really like hearing that from you that, you know, you don't give a, a fuck, basically. Um, mm. Because if there's not a rule, again, they can sort of do what they like. So, I mean, again, well, I'm comes, really digging the memory with this. So, like, I'm assuming comes, there was nothing filmed of Justin giving these no. bribes or things like that. No, no, no. It, it, come, it comes back to um, the fewer rules you have, the more people can play. Mm. If everything is tightly, tightly constrained, well, this is the game we're playing and there's no unpredictability. Make it loose. Do what you like um, in order to win. That's legal. Frankly, you know, not allowed to hurt people, um, and and so I, I tend to fall into that camp, as long as it's something that we can explain to the audience, and the audience will decide is that fair, and your teammates will decide is that fair, you know. So, but then that you know we're just in the one series. Mm. If if I can imagine the US one. Well, if that starts getting out of hand, let's all split the money now between the 18 of us all. However, I'll get to the end. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take half the amount just to be the winner. And then everyone else, or whatever. You know, then it's a fuck show. Mm. I can imagine that happening. In this show, no, it's not. It's just kind of do it your own way, but you're going to have to live with the decisions you're making. Um, and... Um, as, as you say, it was revealed and it didn't do him any good. The the other question, which I'm sure you'll be able to answer because I'm assuming you're the one who came up with it, um, the, the idea to bring back in players as an attempt to kind of come back in the game, was this always the plan? Was this decided halfway yeah. through kind of? How did that all come Always, about? always the plan. Um, and look, it, it's vulgar and honest, but it's budget. You know, we didn't have enough money for enough contestants. And we frankly couldn't find enough good ones in the six weeks of pre-production we had. Um, so we've got this number of contestants. We need this number of episodes. They were always thinking from the get-go, and we've uh, run out of people. Um, so they knew something was going to have to happen. Um, the audience would probably figure that as well. 13 episodes, or maybe they'd be thinking 13 episodes. Um, so it was always going to happen. Um and we can. I consulted Castaway about it, saying, well, "Is this oh, is this okay?" And they said, "Well, yeah, if you like, but you know, they're going to be living it up in a hotel for a few days, and 
and feeding up and everything. And I said, yeah, but no, we've kind of got to. Um, and sure enough, uh, Castaway was right. And by the time Justin and Guy came back, they were fed up. They were nicely fed. They were relaxed, rested, and blitzed it. Mm. But I was just so counting on them being voted out. I can't understand why they weren't. Which Does it cross your mind, though? Because <laughs> the US had done it in Pearl Islands at that point. They had the outcast twist, and it was strictly said that these guys were basically, as soon as they were voted out, they were told this is a potential twist. So they, they were lived on rations and things like that. Did mm. that not cross your mind to maybe say, no. like, hey, guys, this is a plan, have some rations, rather than getting them to kind of bulk up and eat food and carbs and all that kind of stuff? No, we weren't that clever. And to be honest, to, to be honest, it was a whole lot easier. Yeah. Go to the hotel and shut up. <laughs> and I guess it would have been hard to convince the celebrities to say, "Hey, we're, we're gonna we're gonna do that twist." What Ben By just the way, said. That you're not getting the air. You're not yeah. getting the airtime, and exactly. you're gonna be living in shit. And you might come back, but then you might you not. Might not exactly. Which exactly. I mean, David, you, you talk about you know Survivor fan kind of dream job, all that kind of stuff. You're talking about. I mean, as a as a purist, someone who loves the game, this must piss you off because I mean, it's it's something that a lot of Survivor fans hate. This outcast twist at the time. It was the outcast twist in Pearl Islands. Everyone hated. Australian Survivor fans, and I'm one of them, I hated the twist on your season whether you brought them back. So as a fan yourself, that must piss you off. Completely. Completely. I thought I I hated it. Um, I hated having to do it. I hated um, fucking the format. I hated um, the unfairness of it. Um, And I, uh, the only thing that kept me going with that was the absolute knowledge that these lucky buggers coming back into the show would be shown short shift and be booted off next episode. And they weren't. Well, the, the, the problem is, I guess, is the fact that two of them came back, which allowed then, which what ultimately happened, the two of them got to the final two, where if you I just know. had if you just had one I of them know, come I back, know, I know, I know. It, it would still mean that one I of them... Got... <laughs> we should have done. I know. I wish. I wish, I wish. Because um, we've always said... We didn't. The best two players, what we, what Ben and I think is the best two players in your season, was David Oldfield in Imogen Bailey. So it's a shame that they didn't, at least one of them, get to the final two. Completely, yeah. They and they, they were the best talent. They were the most interesting. Um, they gave so much. They tried hard. They had integrity. They were everything you want in a Survivor contestant. Um, Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take the rap for it. You know, I fucked the format to the extent that it didn't work to the show's advantage. You you have the unique distinction though, David. You mentioned before about how at the time you thought Kim Johnson was the first person to vote herself out. Obviously, your season and season mm. one had the distinction of that happening. You also had the distinction that both your winners were professional athletes, so you kept the trend yeah. up on Australian Survivor at that point of kind of you know having that trend. Yeah, what, and I it- didn't. I really never thought for a moment that athleticism would defeat. Well, no, indeed, mm. that was a, that was a try. I think when people yeah. first saw this format of Survivor, that was always the understand. Oh, you know, the mm. athlete would always win, but of course, it was quickly shown that that was never the case. So, Australian Survivor yeah. did have that unique sort of, you know, distinction of having that mm. rarity, which, um, mm. you know, I mean, well, obviously, the, and, and even Lee reason. made it to the end in in season three. Of course, nearly you had three professional athletes nearly mm. win all three, but yeah. And the only reason it happened in in our version, they were both 
voted out because they were threats, because of their athleticism. They could win challenges, win immunity. Um, and so that's why they're voted out. So my hunch would have normally been right. Politics would win over athleticism, except the fact that I bloody brought them back. <laughs> Two quick questions on it, though. Did any of the, uh, did Imogen, David or Nicole kick up a stink behind the scenes when they found out this was happening? Um, they may have done privately. They didn't to me. Because I know David on camera, you hear him, like as you said, many of them have worked it out. David was the one you saw the confessional from. Mm-hmm. The, other, the other question I'd love to know, this is going to be a question we're going to pose to all the contestants we get on this season. In your eyes, if it's a Imogen David final two, who do you think would have won? Oh. Imogen. Mm, she was good. I she think was- her integrity shone through. She was masterful in... Um, uh, memory, I'd have to go back to it. I think she gave her immunity to Nicole. Yeah, that was the she? one I was talking about where yeah. she was, yeah. Um, so yeah. That was a master stroke. Yep. I mean, if it was if it was Nicole and Imogen in the final one, oh, I don't know. But Imogen had just pinned her colours to the board saying, I have integrity, I play the game, I value people, I value my tribe what i liked about it what i liked about imogen too she could have easily been the first boot because obviously kim johnson wanted to go but imogen didn't do well at the start in that first challenge the start of the game and she could she could have easily gone i I dare say if kim would have been disabled as a different contestant someone that wanted to stay imogen probably would have gone first so she then ends up throughout that 25 days or, or you know however long she was on there for um really starts to become this this yeah. good, genuine survivor player. And you almost look at her in the end that she's not actually playing a celebrity version. She was actually playing a genuine playing survivor. survivor. And yes, yeah. and so was David. So look, it is something we can never change. Like I give you a lot of raps on so many things you did right on the show. And I know you said you just didn't no, think it would happen, no, but it is such I a will shame. T- I, will t- I will take it. That fucking the format wrecked the show. Mm. Um, didn't wreck all of it, but it kind of did, and I regret that. Mm. You know, it it made a travesty of of what the show really is, um, and I do I really do regret that, and I regret the impact that had, particularly on the image of Nicole, mm. who should have won, mm. frankly, and um, um, and I'm sorry they didn't actually. Mm. The, the thing that I will say, David, and this goes back into what I'm renowned for and sucking up to, I guess, but, you know, I, I mentioned about challenges, great thing, but, you know, in just rewatching it recently, it really does, I feel, bridge that gap between old and new school Survivor because the thing that it really has going for it with the gameplay, you know, you have alliance shifts, you have blind sides, you know, you have redemption arcs, you know, you have these players that, as Matt said, you know, could be first but go on to, you know, nearly win the game. A lot of what modern Survivor fans love about the game now, you know, mm. all the talk today is mm. about gameplay and blindside. That's what people mm. think Survivor's about. Mm. You've mm. got a half and half. You've got the old school and the new school, and that's what's great. I mean, one of the, the best sort of reaction mm. episodes mm. when Wayne gets voted out and you cut to Guy mm. and he's got that gasp look on his face, like yeah. a gif yeah. in today's world. Things yeah. like that. And, like, you, you yeah. it's funny you keep mentioning about how this isn't real Survivor, and I want to talk to you more about that after, but... 
for as much as most people might think this wasn't a real Survivor season, you mm. have so many layers of this that makes it a bloody good Survivor season. It's a bloody good imitation of Survivor. Mm. Mm. Um, that, that's how I'd, I'd put it. The, the reason I say it's not real <clears throat> um, is that in real Survivor, they are truly aiming for, in the US, the million bucks. Mm. You know, I will do what it takes to get that. And that brings out real fierce competitiveness in politics. So we didn't have that level of competitiveness um, that the US series does. Secondly, um, we shoot it in 25 days, I think it was. So it's short and sharp. You're not really doing the full 36 days of being deprived of stuff. We're really, you get the changes. We started to see some changes, but... Uh, not not the full changes you really get, and kind of because they're celebs, they know the business, they know TV, they know it's a game. They're kind of flopping in and out between playing the game and doing the TV, and so that's why I say it's kind of an imitation Which... of Survivor. Look, the one thing I will say, like, I, I can't disagree with the 25 days shortened format. I, I don't think there's a way, like, that. that is a clear argument, I think, against this. But the one thing I will, it's interesting to say disagree with the executive producer. You're the guy who mm. can put this together and yeah. I'm disagreeing with you. But I, I think that with the the aspect you're talking about, the million dollars, to, to me, most Survivor now is, yeah, a million dollars is great, half a million dollars in Australian mm. version is great. But to me, and I, this is a personal thing, I'm sure Matt is the same, we've talked about this before. Mm. If I was to go on Survivor, to me, it's about winning the game, the money's secondary. Yeah, like, sure. The title of Survivor yeah. is what I want. And I think someone like David yeah. Imogen, they had that in their eyes. And I also think yeah. what's benefited your season 15 years later is back to what we are talking about, champions versus contenders. I think now that we have essentially halved celebrity seasons on Channel 10, which mm. hardcore Australian Survivor fans are adamant, this is real Survivor final, this is great. It, it validates your season because, mm. you know, they've got as many celebrities on their season. They have 24 cast members, of course, so half the cast, mm. 12, mm. are celebrities, the same amount in your season. Channel mm. 10, in some mm. weird way, have validated your season as real Survivor in my mm. eyes. No, well, I, I wish... I wish I'd had the chance to produce it properly, mm. proper survivor. You did um, a very good job, David, for what you had. We're, oh, we're, we're, you. we're giving you that prop <laughs> right we, now that you really we. did. <laughs> oh, one, one other thing I should just tell you. mentioned oh, we talked earlier about helicopters and the constraints. Um, now, of course, you can do so much with drones. Um, then, obviously, we only had helicopters for aerials. Um, and so I don't know if you're aware about how challenges are shot. So you shoot the challenge, um, the contestants go off, a unit and a director goes up in the chopper, and we have a cast of stand-ins wearing all the same stuff. The dream team. Looking roughly like, and then they recreate it. Yep. Um, so we get all those shots, and we don't have cameras in place. We try and get the rough positions of where each tribe was, da, 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 and try and reproduce it, shooting it all from aerials and stuff. Dicko on the beach or whatever, no other cameras around. Looks fantastic. It's all made believe. Um, I'd be intrigued to know how they shoot it now, whether you can still do that with drones or whether they have to still reproduce it to get rid of all the cameras to redo it. I don't know. I'd ask Matt, but he was only on the show for two days. So he bloody doesn't know. <laughs> but 
<laughs> no, knowing the challenges I was involved in, yeah, there was, I mean, I don't know whether they, once we left, what happens, because obviously we're blindfolded and you mm. get in the you know, car and you, you go back to your beach. But, um, but yeah, obviously they're, they're very particular of where they have the cameraman, obviously, mm. you know, and, and all that. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I, and, and like you said, they do a lot of drone stuff now. So yeah, you don't use the helicopter. Um, because, you know, by the time you've got a, a camera crane on the beach, Blah blah blah. You know, you, you can't take a wide shot. Yeah, I, I know they still have a dream team where, um, and, and I guess when they do the mock tribal councils and stuff, so the host can run through what questions they think they're going to be. Oh, we asking. never did mock tribal councils. We just we just went for it. Well, dickos are professionals. So, <laughs> what, talking about filming, though, David, what about limitations on what you could show of these celebrities because. We know that Fiona Horn had some full-on naked shots, which she clearly seemed not to worry about, um, which we hadn't really seen in Survivor at that stage, and we don't see now. But what, was there limitations on what you could show of certain contestants on the show? No, we've got I've got Survivor uncut on my computer, and I can go back to no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no limitations. I mean, people know that you know they're going to be in bikinis, they're going to be in swimmers or whatever um you know, it just comes down to decency no we're not gonna shoot you having a piss or a <laughs> shit somewhere <laughs> it wouldn't make pretty good tv frankly but um if you happen to, oh. to get your rocks off with anyone else sure as hell we're gonna shoot it but <laughs> <laughs> uh, i was just gonna say because with fiona horn obviously you do see where she's bathing and and she's got her breasts out and stuff which we hadn't really seen much of there was a little bit in season one we just don't see it now but i just wondered with these celebrities there might have been some that were, were more than happy to take their tops off and get shown i, where, I think we i think we were pro probably had a contractual obligation to show her breath yeah um <laughs> well she she didn't seem to mind so no 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 she was absolutely and that was part of her persona um so yeah they, they were doing what they wanted to do and full I, knowledge that in yeah. front of the cameras and i would so, assume that in the the airing of that that's then up to seven whether they want to pixelate that or show it right depending on the time yeah. slot yeah yeah because it is interesting it's sort of i mean yeah we saw a few bums in season one um obviously australia is not as uh, prudish as the u.s so we do get to so see a little bit yeah. but um but then like yeah. i guess also it comes down to how the contestants feel because we see in the reward challenge when imogen gabrielle and david go off and they're having showers imogen and gabrielle are still in bikinis while they're washing so yeah. it's kind of it's a yeah it would come yeah. down to the contestants, I guess, as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. So, you know, there's, um, frankly, being on a beach, you'd know, you'd know this, now, being on a beach for a period of time is so unsexy. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's just, your bits are all over the place, um, you're feeling crap, um, you're sunburned or you've got mozzie bites and you're not feeling sexy. Mm. And most of the time, you know, we... We try hard to make people look sexy. Look, we it, okay. So here's the thing: tribal council. We want everyone to look glam. <laughs> Frankly, you're on a beach. <laughs> you're salty. You're sandy. Mm. You haven't got any clothes. We want you to look glam. So we broke the rules, if there were any rules. Said, so you know what? Um, give yourself a shower, and um, there's a bit of makeup there as well. Wow. You know, make yourselves look nice for TV. This is a TV set piece. Then you're going back to the beach. So, so yeah, we 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 broke. If that was the rule, we broke it. So they had so, showers. So that, 
yeah, would, would that happen at every, like before every trouble cancel that they would get to have a shower and, and put up, put on some makeup? There were, there were a couple of times just when they looked so mm. ratty that you think, oh, this is not attractive. And did, did any in particular kind of flaunt that every time? Like, I always look ratty. Make me have a shower. No, no, no. It was purely, um, it was a kind of one of those privileged things of, Guys, you've had a shit of a day. You know, mm. I know I say a shower, you know, basically a hose pipe yeah. um, <laughs> off a tree somewhere. Oh, luxury, fresh water. Um, and it was just a sort of bit of, bit of basicness. I mean, water, we talk about water. There was a, a, each camp had a big barrel of water buried in the sand with a lid on it, you know, of you know, 400 litres of fresh water topped up every day. They could have as much water as they want. They had both. They can. They they could give themselves showers. Frankly, cold water showers, just like that. There's nothing new about it. It's just, you know, just we don't want people getting infections and just mm, getting well, rashes or cold cuts or whatever. One thing that I learned from Stephen, which fascinated the hell out of me, um, was that he did admit that there was a you know a time or two where to get them in a bikini, he may have given them a chocolate or two, like hey, get in a bikini. Did you ever have to kind of do that with no, any of the we contestants? Never need to do that. No, we did have a time. <laughs> Uh, which I discovered that um, so we're filming in Vanuatu where we're not on a private territory there's a there's a village probably 800 meters away um, and we asked the locals were employed um, on on the production we asked them just not to to swing to swing past or whatever just to stay clear but obviously some of the contestants had got to know some of the locals because they'd seen them around um, and the locals, some of them, felt really sorry for the contestants who were really hungry. And so they would come, we found out about this, they'd come and leave packets of biscuits in the bush. <laughs> wow. I said, oh, God, look, clever, and, or, you know, behind the dunny, because they'd, you know, um, clean out the dunny or whatever. And they'd leave packets of biscuits. And I found out about this. And I said, oh, God, I'm going to have to stop this. <laughs> I, can, I, 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 can feeling, just, I can just picture him leaving a like packet a of... Master or something, yeah. yeah. I can just picture it leaving a packet of Ice Vovo for Guy <laughs> Leach. After he, yeah. I know. And, and I just said, I, I pulled the, the contestant together. I said, look, guys, I know you need and I know you want it. But it's kind of not a good look. <laughs> Asking the locals for food... Breaking the rules, it's just, you know... Just kind don't of do it. Right. <laughs> I, could, I could just so picture... So we, we slowly clamped it down without a song and dance. I, I, I can just picture a guy leads at Trouble Council. He's like, oh, I've got a bit of coconut caught in my teeth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> just from the, in the background of a shot, there's a nice Vovo rapper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you yeah, missed the boat like Channel 9 did, everything bloody sponsored, you know, this brought to you by Intel, this brought to you by... Tech. You could have been like, bloody, this episode brought to you by Arnott. Ice Vovos. Ice Vovos and, and Tim Dams. Well, well, that's no, like we, a bloody... We, we didn't... Yeah. So I was just going to say, I'm glad Ben brought that up about the promotion. One thing we, we talked heavily um, about season one was the sponsorship. They, I mean, they had their hand in all the pie. There was Lay's bloody Solo, Reebok, everything. What... I know that there were some ads running at the time. I think um, Nicole and Amber were in like an Olay total, total effects ad and stuff. But 
whether that was just something that they had done outside of the game. But was, was there any sponsorship for your season? So no sponsorship in show during the season. We didn't have time yeah. to set it all up for a start. And secondly, I think, frankly, that's a bit too blunt. Um, you know, just it, I just work hard to try and think how we include it without it looking so crap. But that aside, happily we didn't have to. Um, any advertising afterwards was all done with a network, with networks permission. They get paid, but only, and frankly, the network saying and offering opportunities to people saying, do you want to be involved in this ad or whatever? So all done absolutely above board with the network. You, you mentioned sort of about the network opening along those lines. You, you listened to Stephen Peter's interview. He, you know, talked about kind of moments where they're sort of brought in and gone like, hey, guys, this isn't going as well as we thought it would. And obviously, ultimately, no discussion was ever made for a season two of the Channel 9 version. Do you have those constant communications with Seven about like, hey, these are the ratings, this, that, and everything else? Was there ever a prospect uh, of another season? Look, no, we, we, could, we could see the numbers, see the reaction and realise, yeah, well, we haven't hit this out of the park. Um and at 300 grand a net, you need to hit it out of the park, um, even at that budget. Um, so, yeah, we knew it was a, a fair crack of the whip. Didn't, it didn't harm seven, which it could have done. Mm. Um, you know, if it had been complete crap, uh, if it had been laughable, it would have been pulled. Happily, it wasn't laughable. It stayed on air. Um, so, yeah, seven got its money back in effect. Which is, is interesting. I mean, Seven, I think, and Nine, really, let's be honest, are, are kind of renowned out of the three networks for kind of being a little bit more, you know, uh, oh, shit, this is not doing well. Let's pull it more so than, say, 10. 10 gives it a bit more of a chance. Mm. But it's it's fascinating about that because, you know, we talked about last week how this came about sort of in a period where celebrity reality shows were really the thing. I mean, Dancing with the Stars was a huge hit around then. Mm. You know, it mm. takes two, kind of all that sort of stuff. Because, I mean, it could have gone maybe Dancing with the Stars-esque and all of a sudden you have a, a bona fide hit on your hands. Did, did you, when you're filming it, when you're creating it, were you, can you think that? Can you think like this could be a hit and we could be doing this every year? No, um, I didn't. I went into thinking, yeah, I think we can get away this with this once. I'm not sure that the audience will come with us um, every single year with it. What was the ratings like? I can't remember. I tried to look them up. Um, so back then, we're talking millions of people. Um, and then I think... It was on a Wednesday or Thursday night. Um, and I think it might have been getting 1.2s, 1.3 million or so, which is okay. Um, Today, that's even at amazing. that time in 2006, <laughs> 1.4, 1.5 was good. Yeah. 1.2s, uh, it's okay. Um, now, of course, 800,000. What we do? Yeah. Um, but no, I then 1.1, 1.2 wasn't quite good enough. So. Well, well, I think today, and I know it's a lot different because we've got so many live streaming services now, but I think current day Survivor get anywhere from the high 600s to mid 700s, depending on where it is in the season. So, um, and I know that's hard to compare now because mm. television is different, but, you know, it, it is interesting, you know, like 1.2 million, that still seems like a lot of viewers. Mm. Mm. Um, but then TV was all we had. Mm. There was no Netflix. There wasn't streaming. You know that was that was it. Were and you... if it dropped below a million, then you're in the yeah, death zone. Were you 
you talk about sort of the version, everything you came up with, though, David. But as a, as an EP, as a Survivor fan, were you at least proud of the end product of what you put together? Proud of the way it looked and felt. Mm. Um, I wasn't proud of the manipulations to the format we had to do. Well, I hate bringing up any negative stuff because, especially like I, I like your season, and, and especially hearing about everything now, the budget and all that, it, it, it makes me even like it even more because I think for what you had in the time frame, it's actually quite amazing. Um, one thing that Survivor fans love are the Survivor buffs. You, you know, we had the three tribes. We had Moso, Kakula and Tana. And you have the different colour buffs and all that. Your season was different. They kind of had bandanas and there wasn't really any design put into them. It was just a colour and a logo and that was it. It was... I have to... I have to admit, um, they were the most blandest mm. bandanas we've ever seen yeah. on Survivor. What was yep. that? Time. 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 Yeah. We just didn't... We couldn't even think of a name of the tribe until we got there. Until oh, What, oh, what are we calling you? Call oh, what a, absolute time. We just didn't, didn't pull it together. Um, the fact that we actually had bandanas was mm. an amazing thing. Um, yeah, there lots of things fell through the cracks like that. Well, well, at least you had a bandana for Tanner because in season one, they didn't even have a merge buff. They just had the, yeah. the, the Kadena and the Tapara buff yeah. and that was it. So yeah. you, you at least got well, that We at right. least got there, yeah, exactly. <laughs> four, four years separation, at least we can nail that. Yeah. <laughs> one, one thing, David, just really quickly, uh, I just super quick question just to backtrack before we get into the concluding questions. The, the one thing that actually I would really love to find out, you talk about kind of coming up with the format, things like that. Uh, you touched on, you know, putting Ben into a tribe that was it always a, a plan to kind of have the tribes divided by gender and then kind of throw a spanner in the mix by having one male on the women and one female? Or was that kind of a last minute decision? No, um, at the back of my mind, again, thinking, you know, the mole manipulator I am. Okay. What, what situations can we create that may add a bit of drama? that will create things unpredictable. And it's not, you know, it's not brain surgery, but boys versus girls. Um, and then injecting one of each into each camp. Okay, now we're going to get a bit of sizzle. So that was always there, things to create a bit of sizzle. You know, putting Gabrielle into the boys camp. And just seeing the eyes, you know, just <laughs> stuff like that. How's she going to cope? She going to get voted out? You know, um, stuff like that. So it's just it's just playfulness um, of trying to create situations that will give us enough material to fill forty four minutes. That's that's really what we're after. Were you surprised ten years later? that Channel 10 all of a sudden decided to have another crack at this uh, because ultimately at that point, you know, Channel 7, I guess, had come and failed. Channel 9 had come and failed. Here comes a third network. And also just on that, I guess, a two-part question, uh, you know, were you ever maybe contacted to be involved? And also were you privy to any of how the contracts sort of worked and how Channel yeah. 10 were to get it? Um, number one, I'm not surprised because it's one of the world's greatest formats, full stop. Um, every network needs some tent poles in the schedule. Um, and a big format show is the tentpole. So absolutely, lay down reserve that Survive should come back as and Big Brother. Um, no, I wasn't asked. Um, plenty of producers around who, frankly, do the show really well. Um, I think 
I might have been at seven. No, I was at Channel Nine at the time. I was head of development at Channel Nine, so it would have been odd to ask me. Hmm. Um, I was surprised by the comeback of the mole, though. That yes. was a surprise on Channel Ten, and I was greatly, greatly relieved that they fucked it up big time. Very big time. <laughs> what yeah, even was that, that? Because the mole is so precious to me. It, I mean, it's my baby. Um, and I've miffed that I wasn't producing it and so relieved that <laughs> it didn't deliver for the mole audience. Which, it's the fascinating world of television. You know, Matt and I can sit here in our chairs and, and commentate and talk about it. Matt's obviously had the, the distinct pleasure of, of being a contestant on a show, but... You know, Survivor, Australian Survivor holds a distinction now alongside Big Brother, of course, of, of being on all three of the major mm. networks in Australia. I, off the top of my head, I don't know if that's mm. ever happened with any no. other show outside no. of Big Brother and Survivor. So mm. we, we do live in a landscape where we can kind of sit here and kind of comment on each of them. You can do that as a producer as well. So, I mean, what what's your overall okay, feel on the Australian version? been on the ABC 7 and 10. Oh, okay, there you, go. there you go. Just not nine yet. Nine hasn't done it. Uh, what's your take on the Channel 10 version, though, having produced a season yourself on a different network? Really, seriously, I've never seen it. Wow. Um, okay. It's, yeah, I just I tend not to watch too much TV anymore. Um, I saw a bit of it, um, had a chat to Stephen Tate when they were making it and wishing him good luck. Um, and I've, I saw the title sequence and stuff, and then I thought, oh, well, I can't bother to get into this. <laughs> so, no, I haven't seen it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you actually, can I just quickly say, Matt, really quickly before you say it, you've actually sat here longer and spoken and talked and seen Matt longer than he was ever on Survivor. So, you know. <laughs> 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 he, he likes he likes reminding me that I was a uh, first boot. Matt, but, you've got uh, the easiest comeback. You just simply said to me, Ben, you never played. Shut up. Well, I, I could be <laughs> mean like that, but, uh, you know, I'm not that type of guy. But, but David, I, I know that your season didn't, didn't end how you wanted to. You know, I'm sure that if you had more time, there would have been some things you would have done differently or different people you would have wanted to be on the show. But are you still glad that your name is associated with Survivor? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, um, I mean I love telling people I'm in TV. So what do you do for it? I make TV. So what sort? Of, oh, stuff like Survivor. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> one episode of Celebrity, one series of Celebrity Survivor. But internationally, it's a bloody good name to have on your on your yeah. TV. Um, and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of what I did. But frankly, really proud of what our team. An Aussie team pulled off, mm. Aussie and Kiwi team, frankly, the two came together. The Aussie and Kiwi team pulled off with bugger all time, bugger all money. Um, and it looked the business. You know, I loved stuff like that. Uh, um, in a separate thing to TV, I also exec produced, created um, the pitch that Sydney did to get the Olympic Games. Oh, um, wow. In, back in 93. Well, uh, can I just my excitement up there, David? I've got a different podcast same, about the Olympics. We might have to get you on that okay. one to talk about the it. The same type of thing, bunch of blokes and girls doing the impossible on a world stage and beating Beijing. Frankly, it's kind of cool to do stuff like that. Okay, so I'm going to tell you something, David. This is You wouldn't know this. Now, Ben, back many years ago, 
actually was the face of putting a bid forward. He, he's getting a bit shy here, but this yeah. is true true story. He was the face of putting a bid forward for Tasmania to host Hobart. the 2000... Uh, sorry, yeah, Hobart. Hobart. Tesson doesn't get anything. That's Tasmania, <laughs> but come, Hobart to be the, to, to host the 2020 Olympics. What year was that, Ben? Uh, did I create it or were we yeah. meant to host it? We're meant to be hosting it right now. It was meant no, to be 2020. No, I know, but when you so. created it, it got all media attention uh, and everything. We started at 2006. It was going to be a 2016, went to 2020. Yeah. But there were shirts made up. It got So, yeah, you've got something in common there. We're going to have, to have a separate conversation about well, that. Well, in all seriousness, David, like you did put, because um, off the podium, download now by iTunes. We do do a, I, I do an Olympics podcast. I'm, I'm a mad Olympics fan, but um, you know, I wasn't aware of that about you. So they're, they're, well, we well, well. might have to chat to you more about that, well, you know? Tell you what, hang on, let's just. Oof. He's going to well, show some memory. Uh, oh, here we go. There you go. Wow. Wow. That. That's then, crazy. Um, so I was, I've, um, Mentioned in Parliament by Paul Keating at the ah. time, um, after we got the game, saying, uh, thanks, must go to people like David Mason and his team for getting the game. I hope you got we some good ended seats. Up swinging two, we ended up swinging two votes on the final day, Great. one by one. So, so anyway, you must all. have gotten some good seats at the uh, yeah opening ceremony. We can talk about that another podcast. Well, I, I have a feeling, Ben. <laughs> can I just say, I have a feeling you're going to need to get David on the, off the podium at some stage to talk about well, this. We're going to have you booked for the next ten weeks. We've got you know the mole. Who is beyond two thousand? Anything? Have you got anything to do with Formula One, David? Right now, I might have you. Not yet. Not not, not yet? yet. All right. Well, you've got plans. You know, plenty to come there. I, one of the, the biggest questions I kept asking during season one. I talked. I want to talk about the legacy, you know, and the difference I think between your season and the Channel Nine one, of course, is that obviously Channel Nine version was original contestants. You know, a lot of people, Australian Survivor fans, like to forget about the Channel Nine one and the Channel Seven one because they don't believe they were true to the game and that Channel Ten have done it correctly. We obviously adamantly disagree yeah. with that. That's why we call Channel Nine's version season one. We call your season season two. Um, season I'm astonishedly do call it that, but. Yeah. So, well, I mean, that's that's the thing because Channel Ten obviously do not acknowledge that anything existed before their versions. Mm. Is there part of you, even though you kind of say that it was kind of an imitation of Survivor, do you believe that yours should be season two and that Channel Ten starts at season no. three, or it doesn't bother you? No, 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 no. Um, Australian Celebrity Survivor is different to Australian Survivor. Full stop. You know, we did it on a budget, short amount of time. It's a bloody good imitation, and I and I'm really happy with it being a good imitation. I think the format and the show is so good of Survivor, um, and we copied it, you know, illegally copied it, obviously with Castaway. It's a copy. It's not the real thing, you know. It's um, uh, so many of the things that we did are absolutely legitimate, absolutely true. We didn't. It's not Survivor light, um, you know. It's not. We're never dishonest with the audience, but it's kind of not the real thing for me. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and and debate. No, I disagree, no. <laughs> but but I mean, that's a different thing. The one yeah. thing I would like to say yeah. about that, though, is that um, you know, they did an All Stars version on Channel Ten recently, of course, mm-hmm. and you know, we've often often talked about, you know, we're disappointed that, of course, they didn't you know attempt to get any Channel Nine versions or that nobody from Channel Seven. Guy, Guy Leach admitted in his interview with J- David Jeanette, that he was contacted by Channel 10 to potentially appear. So in some ways, Channel mm. 10 kind of 
in a weird way, do acknowledge that that existed. Mm. Just, you know, I know you haven't watched the Channel 10 version. You obviously didn't see mm. All-Stars. But would have you had liked to seen like a guy leech, an Imogen, someone kind of represent your season on an All-Stars season? Doesn't kind of doesn't bother me. Is, um, the Celebrity Survivor we did was a TV show we did 15 years ago. So I'm not for TV. Um, it's not a show I own, like Who Dares Wins. It's not a show that's my baby, like The Mole, where I created, like Medical Emergency or Good Weekend and Who Dares and stuff. And all these other things which I feel really precious about because they're in my heart. Survivor was a format I produced. Uh, we did it quite well. On to the next show. Um, even though I adore the Survivor format and what Charlie Parsons has created, um, you know, all that all that time ago, just masterful. Did you get any feedback from Charlie after the show? No, no. Um, I think they were relieved that it did okay. Disappointed it wasn't being renewed, um, and. Uh, yeah, didn't hear anything back from her, him or Julia Dick or anyone. Um, um, yeah, glad, glad, glad it's all kind of worked. Your season never had a reunion, which fair enough. I mean, these, you're not going to get all these celebrities back for a reunion. So tell mm. us, after after the cameras got turned off, after Guy Leach wins, was there a big after party? Any funny stories? Well, the fireworks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And, and yeah, there was an after party. And I was just looking through some photos, um, which I can pull them up. Um, there's some photos of the after party. And um, a lot of us were in, um, oh, I'm going to have to try and find them. Where are they? Well, 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 this is the thing, David. Like with season one, there was a handbook. It had locations of where all the you know the uh, the crew members were were, were positioned like with, with like the tents the mess tents and all that stuff we like there's so much we don't know about your season and and like you said you're talking about like some photos from after parties or even behind the scenes production photos all that stuff like no one knows about it it's never been seen before and this is something i guess by us doing this podcast we want to find out like wow so lots of different things there i mean i Unfortunately, my computer seems to have frozen, frozen, damn it. I, I love, can't even bring it up. I, we might I love to get you to send these to us, David, yeah, so we can love, uh, potentially yeah. share them if we're allowed to. I, I, love, yeah. I love that photo of Dicko you've got there with him on top of the volcano. With with the... He's on top of the volcano, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, no, we, um, one thing we did... We, we definitely, to, um, during season one, uh, David, we uh, we had a few sent to us and we shared on our social media pages. And for people obviously watching the, the video of this, they can see that. But by all means, if you're happy to share it, we'd love to be able to share that with our I'll, listeners. Um, yeah. Well, I'll, um, I'll see if I can reload photos. And... and I think it's important. Like, that's what we're trying to do on this podcast is, you know, we're, we're, we're bringing your season back into light. And, and yeah, back it's, we live in a different world now. We're such a social media world and, and it's so easy to see photos. But it quite wasn't, even back in 2006, it just wasn't quite like that. So that's what we're hoping to do today. And, and by interviewing yeah. you and, and, in the, and the rest of the cast members would be to, to find out just, just really what happened out there in those 25 days. And, and yeah, I guess seeing those photos would be, um, is one of those things. Well, uh, to be honest, I'm not absolutely sure I can share those photos. I don't have people's permission. Mm. Um, um, I can share photos of me, but who gives a stuff about that? No, <laughs> it's, it's, 
there are photos taken in private without any view to sharing them. And um, I think there's a kind of social contract there about sharing. What about photos. just the photo? What about this, the actual photos during the game, like the actual ones that would have been taking at challenges and things Yeah, like may, maybe sort of wide shot type of stuff, maybe, yeah. Publicity yeah, stills and things like that. They... Publicity stills, yeah. They're, they're obviously taken for a purpose, but these are, as it were, holiday snaps. Oh, got it. I know. Um, I know. It's it's actually interesting you talked about yeah, and yeah, exactly. Obviously, we know a lot of these haven't been shared. I know that. Um, I think Imogen Bailey shared a few. She mm. must have had some private ones yeah. that um mm. she had shared on her social media recently. I think maybe in the lead up to All Stars or something like that. Because it's yeah, interesting, yeah. sort of, with some of the contestants from your season. I mean, obviously, we got Amber on. Basically, how Amber came about. Um, she had actually at the time had written a column. I still believe she's a, a regular columnist for one of the Sydney mm. papers and she had written kind of a, a column about her experience on Survivor. Uh, Guy mm. Leach being on uh, David's podcast, he constantly kind of, you know, is now a little bit more active talking about Survivor. Mm. Imogen mm. did on hers as well. So mm. it's kind of some of these mm. players still kind of talk about David. We've, we've had numerous conversations with David Oldfield who very much mm. highly holds his experience yeah. up high. So yeah. it's, you know, you've got at least a quarter of the cast who 15 years later yeah. still hold the yeah. experience quite oh, high. Good on them. Yeah, well, well, well. And have you kept in touch with any of the contestants or of the crew no. over the years? No. Oh, the crew, yes, because I've worked with them, worked with them a lot. But um, the contestants, no, some of some of the crew, yeah, just some of the producers and um, people, yeah, just yeah, turned into really good buddies. That's the thing about a show like that, you know, you're somewhere nice doing crazy stuff you're bonded together it just laughs obviously been up to a lot of things uh since david but uh, what are you up to now kind of what what's the life of david mason like uh you know 15 years after celebrity survivor oh yeah um having a damn good time being a dad mostly that's what it's about great um and starting out some new business ventures and stuff but loving living in new zealand loving frankly um having the time to do things for myself and my family. That's really what it's about. Fantastic. And New Zealand and COVID is the best place yeah. in the world to be. Yeah. I, I buggered off just as it was, his shit was hitting the fan. So <laughs> nearly didn't and get to this on side which, of on which note, I should probably give my family a bit of time. Yes, you really uh, so should. Um, you really should. Is, is there anything you would like to wrap up or anything? Or Well, anything? I guess... I mean, we were about to say thank you, but I mean, if you've got a drop dead secret you want to share with us before we let you go, oh, I mean, <laughs> if there's anything Dicko did outside of the fireworks before, you know, that you want to share, I'm always, I'm open ears. Well, I'm going to tell you a story, but without names. Okay. So, hmm. so the whole shoot has ended. All the contestants are back in. Um, or, or no, this particular time was after a contestant came off the show so once they were no longer in the show and they're back in the hotel and they um they're hanging out i think in dicko's room in the hotel and went off the toilet stayed there quite a long time and dicko oh, after they'd left and dicko went to bed and realized holy shit <laughs> There is a one-foot-long green 
turd <laughs> stuck in my toilet. <laughs> it's quite clear that this person has not had a dump for about two weeks. And this is what they've delivered, and it's green. <laughs> oh. And he is there. He said, he went out, he had to find a stick. <laughs> and he's there with a stick trying to get this thing down his toilet. And it wouldn't break up. It was just rock solid. <laughs> and it did come out of someone's gut. That's what Survivor does to you. I'm just picturing Dicker now with the, the stick side. Play hard, play safe, and play to win as he's trying but to get the don't do it in my toilet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm so glad that we've gotten you on at the beginning of this season now because my goal over the next however many episodes and however many of these plays we get on, who did the shit in Dicko's toilet? Was it you, Fiona <laughs> Horn? Was it you, Nicole? <laughs> like, who I want to know. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Wow. Good luck, okay. Good luck getting that name. Good luck also ending an episode on any better terms than that. Uh, David, exactly. mate, this has been a, a thrill to, to chat. We've learned so much. This has really set our season up on a high standard. It's been fun reliving it. I, I they're full of memories I didn't know I had. It's crazy to think that, uh, you know, not only do we have the man behind uh, Who Dares Wins, uh, you know, the mole, all these shows, the guy who basically brought the Olympics to Sydney and here you are talking about a show that you probably even barely remember sometimes you did. But it's mm. it's a huge honour to have you here to, to learn about this. We really appreciate you uh, sharing these stories. And I look forward to uh, David Mason Archives coming soon for the next 12 weeks of your life as well with all the <laughs> exactly. things we're going to get you on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> lovely well it's great chatting to you guys thank you very much indeed for your time and um hope it's been hope it's been interesting for all it's been amazing david thanks a lot okay all right cheers bye-bye now wow matthew dyson um i have been doing this for a long time and i don't think i've ever ended a interview uh basically having a story about somebody clogging up a toilet with a giant green turd uh, and <laughs> The, 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 the image now of a very prominent Australian television host with a plunger basically literally up to his elbows in shit. So, uh, hey, look, <laughs> there's, there's always a first and that's what we've had in Australian Survivor Archives today with David Mason. What, what, a, what an interview. Oh, should we start putting bets down about who it was? Absolutely. Do, do, I mean, do, do, come on. Do you reckon we'll find out? Uh, we're going to try. This is this, Okay, here we go. This has solved our mystery from last week, Matthew Dyson, where we didn't know a challenge to come up with, right? We were kind of like, what can we do? You know, you share your video, me to get naked, whatever it is. Here's our challenge. You and I right now each need to hedge a bet on who did it. And whoever wins, loses, will come up with some sort of, you know, challenge the other person has to do. How does that sound? I think that's fair enough. What makes me laugh too, it just shows you how life can... Can, can can change in, in a matter of in, you know, moments like one minute Dicko's up on top of the bloody the volcano you know doing this fantastic opening scene and by the end of production he's there trying to get this massive green turd out of his toilet like how times can turn uh, like he's a man who a year ago was sitting, I can't stop laughing at, sitting on a stage you know telling freaking Guy Sebastian he's one Australian idol and the next minute he's in a hotel in Vanuatu plunging a, a celebrity shit um <laughs> The life and times of high rolling TV hosts. No, absolutely. Oh. This is this is the new did uh, Sylvan drop a couple of Eckies, uh, you know, roofies to David Haas of, of this season. We're gonna have one of these every season, Matt Dyson. 
I'd laugh if we find out by the end of all this that it was actually his own turn and he didn't realise. Oh, that's hilarious. All right, who, who is it? I, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to say that it was Justin Melvey. I'm going out in a, on a soap star bribery scandal. I'm going with my man Justin. Okay, and I'm going to go with, with this person simply because I still think he never got over Dicko... Um, saying that his leg slipped in that challenge. I'm going to say it was Guy Leach. All right, so we've, we've both gone for the final two. I reckon um, it was that final payback for, yep. for, you know, we know Guy Leach wasn't happy that he he, he, he lost that challenge and because uh, they said his leg slipped, I reckon he never got over it. And that was his final sort of goodbye. And I, I have to say that in, again, as long as I've been doing this, I never thought that I would be asking a regular question to people on this show of, hey, did you do a massive shit in the toilet of Ian Dicko Dixon? Because <laughs> we're going to have to, like, hi, Kim Johnson. Welcome to Australian Survivor Archives. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, did you do a massive dump in a toilet? <laughs> Wow. Um, I'll tell you what, Ben, but mm. how good is this season already? Like, we, we've we've said it already multiple times. We've come into the season really not knowing a lot about Celebrity, you know, Survivor Season 2. And, you know, we've, we've, we've you know, recently just come off the back of, of doing a great Season 1 recap and, and we fell in love with Season 1. But, mate, I don't know about you, but just hearing this interview right now from the executive producer, it just fires me up to find to find out even more about the season from the contestants. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think kind of we talked about it last week about how, you know, we're going into this blind. This episode was always going to open our eyes and ears up. And I, it's, it's perfect. It's a perfect, you know, knowledge base for us to kind of move forward because I think we've really answered a lot of the key questions uh, that we maybe didn't know. And, of course, we're going to learn more, of course, from the contestants. And we know that the contestant will have a different perspective of one thing or the other and everything along those lines. So... It, um, it will be extremely unique to kind of add more to that, but it, it really has been, you know, interesting to learn so many things. And to me, the, the most fascinating thing to come from that interview, uh, besides green turds in toilets, is, you know, that the executive producer of that season doesn't believe it to be a real season of Survivor. And, and here we are a week ago defending it, calling this a real season. And I'll be honest, I'll still continue to defend it as a real season of Survivor, but... I guess while we maybe didn't get a definitive answer across the first season of is this season one, is this, is that, you know, here we are now where I think a lot of fans who have always said this isn't a real season of Survivor have the guy behind the season essentially agreeing with them. So we're going to have a bit of a hard sell in the coming weeks, Matthew Dyson. Uh, I mean, who knows? Your opinion might change. I'm, I'm pretty stubborn. I don't think mine will, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's very unique to kind of solidify a, a long-gone theory of Australian Survivor fans that straight from the horse's mouth, uh, he agrees with them. Mm, it, it is. And look, I think everyone's going to have their own opinions, obviously, and I think some opinions will change um, by the end of this. So that's the beauty of, of covering off these seasons as we go through them, that, that op- opinions will change. Ben, our opinions will change. Like... You know, look at our opinions of season one. Like, I've always been a fan of season one, but I'm even more in love with it now once you find out all this other information. And I think what's important about this season is, you know, we're hearing from David Mason about, like, the short time frame, the six weeks they had to 
from when he gets told you're going to produce this to being out in Vanuatu, like that's unheard of six weeks. So it gives you more, it gives more value to how good this season is. Can when you, once you take in all those factors, hundred percent agree, mate. Absolutely. And we're in for a great ride this season to, to continue to learn whether you believe it's a real season or not. There's still stories to be told. There's still 12 people that played this game and they all have their version of it. And besides getting showers and makeup, they played this game pretty legit. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't go well to defend this as being a real season. Anyway, uh, it's been a pleasure to have David Mason on this show today. Uh, really, thanks for his time. Stay tuned. Next week, we, of course, jump straight into our episode recaps. Next week, we're into episode one of season two, Celebrity Survivor. We hope to have the esteemed Cable Brandon back on the show, just like he was in season one, to be able to recap that. So stay tuned for that. And, of course, as always, stay tuned to our social media channels. If you're on Instagram, Twitter, on uh, Facebook, that's the other one, uh, hit us up on there. YouTube, of course, you might be watching us right now. Uh, second video interview that we've uh, now had on this channel, and uh, we're going to try and bring this to you wherever we can. So uh, thanks, Zoom, for being a thing. It's great to, to have you invented and kind of bring these, and we really wish we had done this throughout the entirety of Season 1, but unfortunately uh, we didn't, but here we are. So we, as always, we really do appreciate the support. Uh, great feedback after the first episode, and uh, I'm I'm champing at the bit to get into a recap next week, Matthew Dyson, and I'm champing at the bit to go and do a massive green turd, I think. I need to, you know, see just how hard it is to plunge one out of a, a toilet. I, I tell you what I've been most impressed with so far in the two episodes is that that song from last week, Imogen Bailey. I... I I never knew about this, and I was quite impressed, if I can say that. Uh, you know, I, I would be interested to see what other people think, but I didn't know that. So w- what do you have for us to end this show today, Ben? Would we, would we have something special? Matthew Dyson, I like you. You're a good bloke. You're a, you're a handsome man. You're shit at Survivor. But, hey, <laughs> I can forgive you for one of your flaws. Oh, I'm a dick you. to you every single week about this. Again, you have the easy retort every single time you have played the game. I haven't. Simple. Come back to me, my friend. But to make it up for you, you gave me the bird this week. People listening to this in audio, you go and watch the Zoom call. I, I got flipped off by a Survivor contestant. There's always a first. I To make it up to you, I know you were very pumped up last week about uh, Holly Valance. You've been waiting, as you said, 37 episodes to finally mention her name. I am going to close this show off today with the esteemed Kiss Kiss by Holly Valance. Take it away, Ben. I love it. I, I'm going to play it now and we will be back next week. Thank you very much to David again. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Ben Waterworth and. My name's Matt Dyson and how do you play safe with a big green turd? When you look at me, tell me what you see. This is what you get. It's the way I am. When I look at you, I want to be, I want to be. Close to heaven with me and a thumb man Don't go, I know you wanna touch me here 